0: So what do you want to watch first?
1: Can we do something else? We could relive my parents' divorce, or visit a gynecologist.
2: What do you not like movies or something? Like any movies? You don't, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you?
0: How do you not like movies? Not liking movies is like not liking puppies.
1: They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. The endings are the best part.
2: They're predictable. Like. The guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Oh, right, so you just happened to guess the biggest cinematic reveal in history? Vader in German means father. His name is literally Darth Father. Huh. So you know German. Well, now I know why you don't like fun things. You know, you need a movie education. You need a
0: movication. I'm going to give it to you. That's very cute. Uh, it's a great clip, yeah. and... Um, I, I this wasn't I didn't necessarily take this as a compliment, but it didn't bother me either. You have <laughs> no idea how many friends from like high school and people that were is still I care about acquaintances, but yeah. not, not we don't necessarily talk anymore, we're not necessarily like friends anymore. Who would just randomly like Facebook message me, text me after this movie came oh, out, really, saying, "Hey, it's <laughs> you." Like this is because you first so of all, they're the Tone them. Rangers, right? My mom's the musical director. I see, and I'm the soloist in every fucking yeah show. Um, yeah. Not that that was a bad thing. I said that really like dramatically, but like, <laughs> yeah, sure. but that was like that was like the identity of me was yeah. the guy who at my little pond, right? could tell everyone about movies and wanted to show everybody movies and then also sang. So the fact that this Tone <laughs> Ranger nerd was like you know, and then he's pulling out Rocky, which yeah. Like, yeah. you know, top timer for you. Yeah. Um anyway, yeah, it kind of it definitely super parallels. I, if ways, if you had
2: so. asked me uh would we ever play a
0: clip from Pitch Perfect, I probably <laughs> would have said nah, probably not <laughs> That's the fun thing about these clips, you really realize yeah. how if we're just judging movie moments. Right. Yeah, you want them to come from your favorite movie, but it's, but not it's just as likely to be yeah. a random movie you don't really care about, but a moment that you just will all, yes. you know, it's one of my favorite movie moments out. ever. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. that's fair. And that's why we do this. Yeah. And, uh, and we love talking about movies uh, and watching movies. And so shit. Who yeah. doesn't? But I just love his whole you know, not liking movies, like not liking puppies. Like yeah, who doesn't movie. like movies? Like we don't want to know you if you don't like movies. You, her, don't, have to, you don't have to be obsessed with them. Her come on. response is pretty weak, though. Come on. Well, it's <laughs> also like it helps that Anna Kendrick is like adorable yeah. and like really yeah, yeah. cute because like it she is. sells that moment so well. Yeah. Even like the down to the Darth Vader, you're kind of like oh, okay. And you're like all right. I like what's going on between these two. Right. Right. Um, and by the way, uh, she was right. Very predictable. He does end up with her at the end of this movie. Right. Um, right totally. I just want to say that I read recently, and this is, I don't know why this just popped up in my feed, but I screenshot it just because I didn't want to forget. This is not relevant to anything, but we're talking random shit right now. Yeah. And there's a, there's a fact that pops up in Bruce Willis's IMDb, you know, the fact section or the sure. quotes and whatever. And all it says is Bruce Willis has stated in nineteen ninety seven, two thousand one and two thousand thirteen that he will no longer be doing violent action or save the world movies. What? I just like <laughs> that three times in his career, according to this, he's been like, I'm not doing those anymore. He's still doing those. Like, I, I think like he, he must
2: have been in an interview in a random interview and they just were kinda like, Yeah, so uh, what are you doing next? or or you yeah. think you're gonna keep doing that, you know. And <laughs> He just, for some reason, thinks he has to open
0: his mouth about it because we're fine with you continuing
2: to do them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No one cares. Listen, I can (laughs) see Bruce just bringing it up and be like, you know what? Like, without them even asking, I'm done with these. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Bruce, come on. Come on, He's the best, but he's the worst.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, That pretty much describes most of Hollywood, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I think think that's all really great. We're going to... Rattle off some, I think, some stuff we've seen. Uh, I know you said you had some miscellaneous. You got any more miscellaneous? Well, you no, I do. I,
0: I, I mean, pepper them in as we yeah, move okay, through cool. the uh, the the day or the night. But um, yeah, we've uh, we've been to the we've been to the movie. It's we've, been we've it's been heavy, like hot and fun. heavy, coming it's back hot and heavy. Yeah, and you know what's um, interesting? We're going to talk about going to the movies. I was looking through my notes, and I haven't seen as many new things maybe this time as last time, mm-hmm. but. I we've been to the theaters and there's just something that's just so exciting. More, yeah. Like a couple of things we've seen, as we'll talk about, yeah. are things that have already been out and they're just running again. Right, but it's been great, still exciting, very still exciting. exciting, very exciting. Um,
2: yeah, one of them uh, not new at all.
0: Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, so I did watch without remorse. Uh, the Michael oh, yeah. B. Jordan. Uh, yeah. yeah okay, uh, and uh, what Klans- did you think, uh, Tom Clancy? Yeah, yeah, Tom, Tom Clancy. Yeah, um, one of his many. So uh, I thought it was very. I enjoyed it. It was it was kind of lower key than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um what action there was, I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, like there was a lot of good car stuff where I was just like this is really well done. Right. So I was really on board with it kind of conceptually, but when it's done, you do it is just kind of a forgettable mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and that's the unfortunate thing. There's so many of these forgettable movies right now that right, right. um they it's don't kind of, stand it's out. almost a genre. Yeah.
0: It's almost what they're going for. They like put, give you background. You know what stuff. the genre is? Netflix. Netflix.
2: Yeah, no, this truly. is not a Netflix movie. Know, but that's the genre.
0: Is this a Netflix is, movie. This is why the standard has been lowered. I'm not saying there's nothing that's yeah. good. But, and I'm not even saying. I think like a lot of times Hollywood gives us what we want. I, I think yeah. bringing us stuff so easily and streaming everything so easily, we have developed an entire background thing i mean i think i told you that scott was talking to me about how he knows somebody who does like the lifetime stuff and he's like oh, right. one of the criteria in like writing up a script for them if you can get like their inside notes is like uh needs to be interesting can't be dull but needs to be something where if you leave the room to change the laundry out like that's how they write yeah, it yeah. you have to be able to come back and not have fast and not have fallen out on the, on, and that's a totally different thing in terms of story and narrative yeah then like if your goal is just to tell a good story it's not the same as rest right. of you can't be lost you know what i mean which different- by the way
2: is why i disagree with so many critics nowadays because i'm like these entire categories of content whether it be tv or film exist yeah and to judge something so harshly when it's nailing what it's yeah. supposed to yeah. do, yeah. it's really frustrating. And I'm not saying you should give a Lifetime movie an Oscar. I'm right. just saying right. that you, you read some of the critical reviews of things that we yeah. – Think are extremely well done uh, for what they are, and we go, yeah, it it fucking nails it. And I think without remorse is kind of one of those. It it's incredible. And and by the way, did you see that Taylor Sheridan co wrote it? I didn't even notice did. that until yeah, the end. I, I was like, oh shit, I did. Yeah, and I sure. really like Taylor Sheridan. Me too. but Me too. This is uh, this is gonna. Co- I might as well mention it now. But the, one of the other ones I watched. Was those who wish wish me dead? Did you watch that? Yeah, yet? yeah, seen that one as well. So it, that's another one where that's like kind very much thing. a TV movie. Yep, um, I know that they released it in theaters, and I know it's starring you know Angelina Jolie. She's a huge star, mm-hmm. but it is Nicholas a TV Holt. movie, and and the and the energy of those who wish me dead is very similar to Yellowstone. It's just a ah, okay. small kind of rural story. That yep. then you introduce some rogue elements, like some, some out of town assassins, you know, and it, and yeah. that's what Yellowstone yeah. is. It's, it's honestly, it's just about your down home people that right. are like, we got to fight off these bad yeah. guys from the, you know, I mean, I'm oversimplifying, I'm but, but that's <laughs> why Yellowstone is so good because it's kind of a soap opera and it's yeah. really fun, um, uh, like good, uh, like gritty soap opera, you know, that's yeah, not so limited to, to, you know, the female audience. But um, anyways, I just, then Taylor Sheridan's just good at that stuff. And it's weird because he started with those movies, uh, Hell or High Water and Wind River. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Which um, have
0: some subtlety going. Sicario. And, Sicario and, yeah. and like, those are great. And they're well-developed. And they're, that's a different thing. It than does what feel about. different. Yeah. And,
2: and I, I don't know. I mean, no knock on him. Cause I think he's very good. It's just, it does seem like he's kind of going into this new Yeah, just those three, that's
0: a career, right? Right. But it may be, but to your point, that may be like, hey, here's what people are looking for. Here's what we need a supply of. So you do this thing. And you know, I still think there are more talented versions of what we're talking about and less talented. There are people who can plug into that formula and give you something that's better versus something that's really bad because a lot of those are really bad. And I agree with you on the critics thing too because as much as I... I kind of complain about just the general overall state yeah. of this stuff. I'm not one to pick an individual uh, film. You know what I mean? Right. would be like, All right, I'm going to crap on this because like you said, I think it's like one element of like a bigger picture. And I don't think you can ever blame a movie for not doing what it didn't intend to exactly. do. Which I've said a bunch. That's, that's a now classic. I can still hate the overall thing, but this is, this is the exact same reason that, I'm very wary, like I don't wanna get like super political on this, but I'm very wary of like judging any individual movie for being like like there whitewashing is clearly a problem, right, in Hollywood, sure. right? But then this idea that we've got to retroactively okay, we're gonna fix this with this one film. You know what I mean? Like we're we're gonna right. cast and we're gonna make sure we rainbow cast this film. Right. And in some cases the story doesn't call for that or needs for a specific reason to be one thing or the other. Right. And I just think that's a that's an issue you have to solve on a big picture. And yeah. it's a very Hollywood we've talked about this before, but it's a very Hollywood solution like putting a band-aid you know what I mean? On like a giant gash well, to be like, well, yeah. we fixed it because it, we, did it's also about movie.
2: expediency. So who, whoever's in production at the time of a crisis or a, yep. or a, uh, or a movement, they have to immediately change their, their kind of way of thinking. Right. And that's all right. good. But then it, it generally doesn't continue. It is yeah. for lack of a better term. And it sounds bad, but a fad. That's my and point, it, yeah. and
0: that's why you, yeah. you, this, this solving it with the individual movie is like as soon as they pat themselves on the back, mm-hmm. they just move on. Mm-hmm. It's the same as when like a huge movie will come along like Titanic or something or Twilight, which is I'm maybe not a fan of Twilight, and they'll be like, oh, uh, we should gear movies to 14-year-old girls, not just 14-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, so and then and every, every movie for a and year. <laughs> every 10 years, though, you have that same story, that revelation of, oh, this works. But they don't ever do it consistently. It's just at that moment they're like, okay, let's push everything we have towards that right for a year, and then they just move on. So yeah. Anyway, anyways, moving along. We're gonna fix uh, Hollywood. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. The thing I want to say about without remorse is just that um, uh, I thought that it was, you know, it was light on story. Obviously, there was like a concept there, and then it was almost just an. Uh, like an action procedural in a way. Yes. Like if you think about it, like it's so much like I'm sure all the military stuff was researched and well done and everything yeah. else, but it really is like for the last 30 minutes, mm-hmm. just kind of tactical. That's just um, yeah. This is it, these are the steps that we would take to do this, and then
1: and that's well done. And, yeah,
0: but it's also just surface stuff. Right. I mean, other right. than of course, there's a big inciting incident where. Gives it an emotional weight. Sure. But they don't lean into anything beyond giving you that. And then they're just like, okay, just procedural from here. Agreed. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. But, but this is also a reason that I think that character is so good as a supporting character to Jack Ryan. Yes. Because if you merge what those, a great since team. they're all Amazon, yeah, you really can give people the action and the set pieces you want. Well,
2: you heard it, heard it well, here, folks. This is what we <laughs> I'm re- want. Re- I'm ready. If Hollywood comes calling, someone, I can write Can that. someone do a change.org petition for us, please? <laughs> Um, Already, I uh, I also really loved uh, in no particular order. Uh, we watched a documentary. I forget what streaming service is on, It's on uh, about Pink, uh, the singer. And oh yeah, it's somebody wonderful. else I talked to
0: really liked that.
2: And it's mostly like my dad's always been a huge Pink fan, and I uh, I I I don't love her the way that a lot of people really love her meaning her music like but i always knew okay she's a cool person she's yeah. different from all the other pop artists sure. and but i never was super into her music she had one album a few years ago that i was really into um but you watch this and you're just like she's fucking awesome like she is so 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 awesome, and I just I encourage everybody that's cool to watch that yeah, because it we'll just gives it you out. some background and and it's also interesting to see because it's a brand new documentary, but it was all done before COVID on her last tour before COVID and uh, just seeing live music being produced mm-hmm. and made and to- you know touring, excuse me on that large of a scale before
0: COVID is just a cool thing to remember. You know, right on. So right on. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. anyways. Um, what do you got? Well, the other things that I, I know both of us have seen, we went and saw Quiet Place 2. Yes. And, you know, speaking of going back to the theaters, it, we're not the first ones to say it. The, these are just great theater movies. I mean, oh, yeah. so much of that is about being in a crowd and the silence of this entire big group watching the screen. And they're just both Quiet Place and Quiet Place 2. I really think they're on the, like, the same level in, just in regards to... It's just really good filmmaking. It's just, it's yeah. using the medium of film. It, it nothing else would translate. You could tell the story in book form, or you know, you could you could obviously tell someone the story and talk them through it. Right. But it really is the elements of the cinema that tell the story. I mean, the whole idea of silence and an image, the sound, the movie mix It's is what. Ma- yeah, it's what makes um, the story. It just doesn't exist the same. You know, a it. lot of people don't have good
2: speakers at home, and that always is a big thing. For me, where yep. I'm just like, yep. you're really not... You're watching three quarters of the movie, or you're right. watching half the movie. Right. I, right. I hate to say it. but um, So yeah, some of these you just got to see in the theater. But I really enjoyed Quiet Place, too.
0: Um, you saw Cruella also, right? You know what? Cruella was the biggest surprise to me, yeah. because I, I, I dare say <laughs> it was probably the best of all, you know, so many origin Disney stories now. Thing. I mean, I guess yeah. if you're throwing in all origin stories, the Joker is its own thing too. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big one. But, but again, we, we talked about this off pod. Part of the reason this is so good and works so well as an origin story is because it is not an origin story. It is a complete reinvention of the character. Right. So in a way, like I loved it, but then at the same time, I remember early on being like, okay, so I'm going to do a little rant here, but go for it. Um, it, it it's kind of bothered me the last 10 years we've been hyper focused on let's figure out why that evil person is evil and i'm not saying that's not important but i don't necessarily need or even want to be sympathetic to every villain that's yeah in the, right and and if you really pay attention to it what's annoying about it is ultimately it's just a uh, uh an execution that never ends because I know you never watched once upon a time. I used to watch that with Stevie Oh yeah, no, around did, for a yeah. while. And what once upon a time would always do is the same thing Cruella did. It would always show you whoever the terrible person was in the Disney movie, like the evil queen, right? Who mm-hmm. tries to poison an innocent girl so she can bone down sure. with the prince. Right. But then it would be like, but you know, the reason that she's so evil and yeah, I, I get it. Like there are reasons people become bad in most cases. But what would happen is it would ultimately just show like a flashback where there was another evil person doing the same thing to them. Right. In every case. Right. And this is also true of Corella, by the way. Right. And if you gave us a backstory of them, I'm sure it would be the same. I'm sure someone else was mean to them. Yeah. And it just made me think of, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but it made me think of, I'll be gone in the dark. Is that what it was called? The oh, Patton Oswald, uh, the serial killer. Yes, something. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. there's a moment in that series, which is a great series yeah, where really Patton good. says he's gathering with all the victims. Right. And they find out, you know, this kid, this guy who did all these things to you as a child, he was terribly abused, right. By his father. And you know, he was beaten, he was molested, all these things. And Patton says, all of you in this room are, are my heroes because the same terrible thing happened to you that happened to him. And none of you became, let that make you a monster, right? right? Like none of you went down the path that you could have gone down with right. trauma. Right. And again, I don't know, I'm not a scientist. I don't know the ins and outs of this. I'm not a psychologist or, or whatever, but it is a very simple thing where you say, okay, well there are circumstances, but at a certain point you crossed the line. Doesn't mean I'm not sympathetic but you're still the villain. I don't necessarily need to root for you. So anyway, just long story short, long long story short, Cruella, if they don't change who she is and what they did was what wicked did so brilliantly, where they just said, you know, there's a different side to this story. You got one perspective. Yeah. Here's a, here's what really happened. That's what they do. They don't give you the origin of here's how she became a woman who wants to skin and kill murder hundreds (laughs) of puppies to make a coat. Because I remember like before we went to that movie, I was just like, how are they going to do this? Come do on. we want, even want this? Do I, do I really <laughs> want to have any part of me rooting for the person who's going to murder puppies? I mean, it just felt like that. I mean, and you so, must have known, though, that they weren't going to go listen, down. I, that I assumed dark they path, were going but. to do what Hollywood often does, which is ignore <laughs> the elephant exactly, in the room exactly, yeah, and yeah. not even acknowledge it. But what they ended up doing, I think, really well um, is ultimately they were like, oh, it turns out, look. Those Dalmatians love her. They're actually friends with her. Yeah, and it was the, her telling people to appear, you know, terrifying. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that. Yeah, I scam the dogs, which she would never have done. Right. Now that's a total. Of course, then I'm on board for Bella. <clears throat> but all that set aside, it was just a really well-made movie. It, it the was. music was fantastic. You take too. away
2: virtually every preconceived notion, and you take away, yeah, the 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 weirdness of it being this origin story. It's just, I think it's a really good movie. It took
0: elements from so many movies that we already liked. I was thinking about this, like setting, setting it it's in the 70s, 70s having the London. music, but having, it it's was it was Devil Wears Prada, yes. which people already love, oh, right? Love it, it was 100% Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> and then in addition to that, it dropped at the end when they all showed up dressed, like, let's dress as Cruella as a tribute or whatever. Yep. All I could think of was Thomas Crown Affair yep. with Pierce Brosnan. Yep. I was like, we've got that. We've got the music. We're moving around. There's the a little bit a of James film. Bond in it. There's a little it, bit of you know, Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven. 11. Yeah. yeah. It was all these things, it's and maybe none satisfying. of it was original, yeah. but as a remix and putting that stuff in a blender, yeah. it just came out as a really great single installment. Yes. It has nothing to do with the Corella de we no, know, no. it has nothing to do with 101 Dalmatians, it is not a prequel or an origin story, right? It is a reinvention and reimagining. Um, it's like Rashomon. It's like, okay, you got a perspective. Now here's a perspective over yeah. here, and you can decide which one's true. Uh, and as that's uh, it stands, as I think a really, really good movie. It was, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we saw it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I saw a couple more at home before I mentioned a couple that we saw in the theaters. But uh, that in an animated movie, The Mitchells versus the Machines. Did you watch that Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. It's a brand new original animated movie. I think from Sony animation, maybe it, okay. it it feels very similar to cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Like it's kind of that kind of animation and uh, it's very entertaining. It's um, it is a kid's animated movie. It's not like a Pixar movie, but it is uh, it is very entertaining.
1: Right. Um,
2: total polar opposite. There's a movie out called North Hollywood right now. That's kind of a very tiny indie, which is fun because I live in North Hollywood. Okay. I'm like, I got to check this out. And, uh, it's mostly like a teenage skater movie, these kids that are skaters, but the the main kid in it is, um, the son of, uh, oh God, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn plays his dad, oh, okay. a hard ass construction worker, blue collar dad. Sounds like a Vince um, Vaughn role, yeah. Day. And he, uh, He's very unlikable, and uh, and it's just a it's small indie kind of drama. Um, I'd recommend it if you're into that kind of thing. If you have an open mind about kind of very small movies and, yeah, yeah. and how they, jot it down. they they essentially all they are trying to do is tell a very small story about one boy and him kind of getting through high school uh, in North Hollywood. Okay. Um, and then uh, there's Moby Doc is out right now on streaming and whatnot. Moby the the musician. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm a big big Moby. fan of Moby and uh not a, he's not for everybody for sure so but if you happen to be a fan of moby it's a weird 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 documentary that i wouldn't even call a documentary it's kind of like a fever dream of a documentary that tracks the moby that, that feels right that he right. kind of created Okay. Um, you know, like generally when you watch a documentary about somebody, they aren't the one making it about themselves. Yes. yes. Um, so it's it's a little uh, uh, self satisfied and whatnot, but it it is um, worth watching if you are a Moby fan. Um, yeah. And if you're a Moby fan, you probably already know that about him. Um, <laughs> and uh, and a- another one is the Donut King is a is a documentary oh, on
0: Hulu right now. I wrote this down.
2: Yeah, Laurie watched it first and was like, yeah, you should watch it." And it's interesting because I really. Thought it was going to be more about the donut world in LA because if you're not from LA or don't live in LA or, or don't eat donuts, um, the donut culture do in think? LA, <laughs> yeah, right. The donut culture in LA is really impressive. There's just thousands and thousands. The, the statistic in the documentary is that in most of America, there's one donut shop for every thirty thousand uh, people. Really? In LA, there's oh. one for every seven thousand. So Jesus. there's 3 yeah. to 4 times as yeah. many donut shops yeah. in LA as uh, per capita as anywhere else. Wow. And and considering we're such a densely populated area, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. equates to
0: just well, thousands and of thousands of donuts. Even if you had not told me that number, I would have um, assumed LA had more donut shops yes, just because I think when you're driving around you realize there's a donut shop every on every corner,
2: corner yeah. 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 Um, and it's impressive and and the point is that what you di- what you may not know and that's the reason to watch it is that In the seventies, it was a lot of Cambodian refugees that were escaping the war in Cambodia were, were, uh, were granted essentially asylum. They were, they were pending and then they, then they were granted not asylum, but they were granted, um, What do you call it? Uh, They had hosts at churches in Southern California that would bring them into town and host them long enough for them to get a job. And it started with essentially one guy named Ted who came here had no money and was working and eventually was like you know what i really i think donuts are interesting like he didn't know what they were and you know and learned how to make them and then eventually became the donut king like the magnate of southern california and had uh dozens and dozens i think hundreds of stores are close to it at some point but then leasing stores to all the other refugees that he sponsored to come here that's awesome and so it's literally like wildfire hundreds and thousands of cambodian families that that grew in the 70s into the thousands of stores that we have very few stores in the la area are not owned by asian families i can't say that they're all cambodian but but
0: no, it's true. Primarily, there, there Asian are a families. Ton. You do notice that, when and you go into- uh, it's just really, really cool. Um, anyways, it's you, you know it's I'm a, from uh, North Carolina, and Winston Salem was the birthplace of Krispy Kreme. So I'm Is that right? for I I didn't uh, know that yeah, was a North Carolina oh, yeah. brand. Cool. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we will give you diabetes. <laughs> between that and tea, I mean, I love tea.
2: Krispy Kreme. They they talk quite a bit about the rivalry between this entire part of the country versus things like. They don't talk much about Krispy Kreme, but of course, uh, Dunkin' in the in the Northeast, uh, and then Winchell's was here, and right, they essentially right. put Winchell's out of business. Wow, you know. Well, of course, of also Randy's
0: issues. is like a famous LA spot. Yeah, not
2: a, not a not really a chain, a chain now, but not really right, a chain. Right. But but it's incredibly interesting, and you learn like Ted was the guy that started the pink boxes, yeah, man, because he was so cheap that they everyone had white boxes. Every donut store in the country had See, white that's boxes. So funny because I love the pink. And box. he he asked uh, the the story that they tell on the dock. Anyways, is like yeah, he's like I asked our supplier. How we can save money? They were talking about supplies and stuff, and he was like, "The pink boxes were five cents cheaper or something."
0: Wow! So he was like <laughs> Jesus, so funny how it's stuff great. happens. It's man. Great. Well, shout out to Ted. Yeah, uh, what a what a, and shout out to our listener, Ted. Right. Yeah, sure. And sure, also sure. while we're on this subject, shout out to Adam, who's the only person I know who doesn't like Krispy Kreme. Oh. Or in and out for that point. So That's why we can't have nice things. Sorry, Adam. Longtime listener and big yeah, supporter yeah, though, good friend. We love you. Um, um well uh, I know you've probably um, got some other ones that you've rattled off. Yeah, as far as sure. stuff that I've seen at home in the meantime, yeah. um I watched Army of the Dead, <laughs> which you <laughs> what talked to me about. Think? I mean, look, man, it, it was a Zack Snyder movie. There you, know you go. Know what I mean? Like it is exactly That's what we're about. It's just a Zack Snyder movie, and there's just as much uh Oh, save saved me. Oh, nice! Um, there's just as much uh, story in there and character sure. development as in most uh, Snyder movies, and then there's <laughs> a lot of you know action set pieces. What you think? What did you think about how it looked? <clears throat> you know, I I think I was like hyper aware of stuff mm-hmm. because of what you were saying, mm-hmm. so I felt critical of it. But I don't know. I honestly don't know if I would have picked up on as many things sure, if I yeah. hadn't been thinking about it. But also, there was nothing um, cool or unique in the look. I mean, I remember like going to 300 for the first time and being like, well, this is like a Visually, perfect graphic novel uh, movie. I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is, but like, <clears throat> and it's over the top yeah. and all that stuff, but in a good way. And I didn't feel that way about uh, Army no, he didn't really do it. Um, interesting, yeah. The the other um, uh, this is actually an older one. I went back a while. Um, did you ever see a movie called Margaret? It Came out in 2010. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Damon plays a small role in it. Um, Matt Damon, um, <laughs> but anyway, it's a it's a New York movie, um, and it was really good. It's incredibly heavy. Apparently, it was made kind of as a sort of it. It's not directly tied to 9-11, but it okay. was supposed to be like a movie that was capturing just the the melancholy of New York, like about 10 years after the attacks. And it it doesn't revolve around a terrorist attack, but no. it revolves around this woman gets hit by a bus and a girl witnesses it. And in some ways she's kind of responsible. She sort of distracts the bus driver and she's with her, like holding her hand when she goes. And it's kind of the fallout of her dealing with all of this afterwards Damn. and essentially like she lies to the police. So the bus driver won't get in trouble because it's like the woman's already dead. But then later she, she just becomes like almost like obsessed with like, I got to make this right because I didn't tell the truth and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But then when she tries to go back to the cops and change her story and tell them what really happened, like they don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like the case is closed. The lady's yeah, dead. Sure. And, and like, and then she almost, it's almost like in a, she has this existential crisis about, well, like it, nothing really matters. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. Like the we're just these small pieces of this big thing, and like uh, you know what I mean? Like, does it really matter? And that's kind of the exploration that it is. Was there um, anybody we know in this? Like famous well, or yeah? Um, hang on, I'm I'm try- I'm blanking now. Anna Paquin is oh, okay. the plays sure. the girl. Sure. So she's the girl, and then there's actually a bunch of people. Man, um, the the bus driver who is literally in like one scene is Mark Ruffalo. Whoa. And, and again, it's 2010, so that's <coughs> not what, it's not that like he wasn't here, around. Yeah. No, sure. Um, Matt Damon plays a professor, and he's in like two scenes. Um, How weird. Yeah, I don't know this movie at all. Uh, anyway, but, um, but, it, but it's, it's really good. It's really heavy. So like fair warning, Like, it, it's, sure. it's a very, very heavy movie. But it's a good movie, um, and I had never seen it, and it had kind of been one of those ones that was just sort of on my list for years. You sure. know what I mean? I was like, oh, it's on HBO. So I'll watch this now. Absolutely. Um, And I did. The other one that I watched, man, that was older that I'm glad I finally saw is Book of Henry.
2: Um, Holy
0: fuck. You just (laughs) now watched Book of Henry? (laughs) Book of Henry. Wait a second. Book of Henry has the greatest uh, review that I've ever read about it. It almost makes the movie worth watching. Go ahead. Are you going to read it? Just about how batshit crazy it is. No, no. I actually brought it up on the podcast, I think, in the past. Um, But Book of Henry, it makes sense to me. Why they took Star Wars away as much as, like, it did. Like, you watch Colin this movie and Trevor you're like, I. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. I mean, it, creativity is elusive and yes. subjective. I do not know how anyone could have read that script. <laughs> I don't know how anyone you mean could have read all of that these A list actors that are, I, are in I mean, it. This is a prime, how did this get made yes. movie? And I don't know if they've done it, but how anyone could have read this and thought. <laughs> You know there's there's really something here. Yeah, this is solid. there's something profound. It solid. was stupidity disguised as something profound and I, I don't so know what else to you say. Think so. But yeah. but honestly knowing that it was so worth watching. I mean, <laughs> if you want to watch a train wreck like if you know what you're doing, yes. then it was a good and I did not tell Jess how how anything about it that it was going to be a bad thing. So for like the first 30 minutes or so, think? for like the first 30 minutes of show, she was like Oh my God! Okay, all right. Oh, we're, you know, and then about the thirty-minute part, I could see the wheels turning. <laughs> okay, and she was like, "What the fuck are we watching?" Like she <laughs> realized that this is nonsense. You know, about that point, and then it just became fun from that point on. But um, for those of you who haven't seen Book of Henry, it's literally a movie about a genius kid being raised by a mom who, for some reason, acts like she's eleven. She's not mentally handicapped, but it appears that she is. <laughs> Um, and then for some reason he has a younger brother that really isn't necessary to be there, but is just kind of around and the genius kid dies, but he leaves a notebook for his mom to kill their neighbor who is molesting his daughter. So that is in a nutshell what the movie is. And the mom just all, follows the And the adults
2: just are like, yep. All right. And she buys good. a sniper
0: rifle and she's like, well, he's the smartest, so I got to kill this guy. And it's, it's not that the guy should have been allowed to continue to molest his daughter. It's just That's the plan not what is batshit crazy. <laughs> and the fact that the neighbor, next door neighbor, is the, uh, the girl, the dancer from all the Sia uh, videos. Yeah, which yeah, Maddie Ziegler. It's just one other I weird wrinkle name, yeah. uh, in it. Anyway, but it, it was a uh, It's a, an absolutely insane movie dream. that yeah. is, is earnest. It is yeah. an earnest In drama. no way is it aware of what it's doing. No. I mean, it has no... It's like when we talk about Nick Cage being in a different movie right, than other people right, in the movie. The rest, yeah. This whole movie is in is a, a, different a different movie, movie than, than, what, <laughs> than what it is. Anyway, sure, but it was, sure. but it was uh, quite an experience to God watch. damn. So. Anyway, you got anything else other than the theater stuff? Because I know um, we're going to jump into that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, well, I have three that I saw in the theater that I know you did not see. Okay. Uh, so, let me mention those really quick. I saw Dream Horse. Which yeah. I highly recommend. You, said you loved it, loved it. Um, it is. It's when, when we when we say they just don't make them like that anymore. That was my first thought when it ended. I was just like, they just don't make them like Love that anymore. This. That is. It just feels like an eighties, nineties, maybe even older, but just like a simple, on board. simple, like uplifting drama. You know how you have a drama. There's definitely some 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 stuff you got to deal with, but it's ultimately right uh very uh very positive and I, I loved it. Um I watched the documentary Final Account, which is a mixture of uh, of scenes of, of interviews shot over the last ten, fifteen years from all of the last remaining um Nazis, essentially. Oh. Jesus. Um surviving Nazis. And Still making so, excuses? Yes. Yep. I know. Dude to their dining. I have not watched a whole lot of content from these people because you know, you watch you watch Holocaust stuff, you watch you watch uh obviously survivors and what they went through and you you you, you empathize or, or you sympathize and you so strongly um you so strongly assume maybe I'm crazy you so strongly assume that by this point, all things are uh, are 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 just even you know the 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 uh that the, there could not be differing opinions there could not be differing takes on what happened. Um, right, right. Sh- that's it's definitive. This very, is what yeah, is. definitive. There's a good. Yep. Wo- there's a good word for it. Yeah, it is. There's a definitive reality to what happened and how a person should react to it, regardless of what culture you're from, uh, and regardless of what part you played in it. That um, you know, and so <laughs> these fucking people. It is it, so. The documentary is not of of uh the surviving nazis that are um are are necessarily what do you call it uh where they're where they're still holding up they're they're still holding up their nazi ideals it's it's not necessarily it's only them it's a perfect mixture of differing opinions you have one guy who's an ss officer he's got the fucking tattoo and he's hardcore and stuff and he's there. Crying his eyes out to groups of kids, telling them what how what he did was right, the most right. heinous fucking thing ever, and then on and then you cut to this other fucking guy who was the same age, in the same position, in the same relative rank, and did the same exact shit. I and he's just orders. like, yeah, of course, no, but no, and he's even going as far as like, no, no, I believed everything we did, and I still I still believe it. And you, you can't don't understand about the Jews. And then, and, the then, Jews, what and, then they did. and then the you know the, the filmmaker from off screen is like yeah but but you guys killed millions yeah. of and he's just like no we genocide didn't. no we didn't no we didn't and, you know and just like walks away and you're just like this guy's a hundred he's 100 years old it really you speaks
0: know? to just the capacity that human beings have to believe anything and look this is part of the thing that in i'm just speaking for myself personally that's been so terrifying in these last five, six years in America. Exactly. It has nothing to do with where you land on the political side. That's kind of why this is relevant it's, right it's, now. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's more about how long do you make excuses before it becomes something that's so big, right? Where you've written off so many things and said, ah, oh, but does that matter? Does that matter? Does that matter? And maybe somebody represents one thing you really like. Yeah. But at a certain point, you are, you are consciously um, making a choice to ignore <laughs> insurrection uh, lies every day, you know, like incredible disinformation that, that really is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being over the top here. It is a threat to democracy. If people do not believe in our voting system, if they do not believe that it works. And I think there was a poll the other day, Rolling Stone printed that 30% of Republicans right now believe that Trump will be reinstated. Right. Right. So you've got Fox news saying this is not accurate. And that, by the way, the interview, we just, they keep playing it, but the interview, we just said, we, we do not, confirm you know that number it's like right but you're pushing it as a story yeah anyway that's a whole long candidate. no but it is but, so similar but it and it's is incredibly it is the scary thing that is so frightening uh this whole oh well you realize people can just look at things however they want and once they've kind of settled into that it, instead of Instead of facts deterring them, it actually becomes – I think our embarrassment plays into it because I was reading like a some kind of psychological study where they were saying people are actually more likely when they're proven definitively wrong to double down, yeah. which has been Trump's whole playbook, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like just double down rather than like reassess and take a step back because your own ego becomes a part of it and then you get angry and you look for reasons to still think what you think. And, and you, again, you can just see how the slide happened in Germany. Yeah. And it's not that long ago, and I don't know. It's just a scary fucking thing. So it is very um, scary. That's a terrifying thing. Um. Anyway.
2: Well, before we talk about the couple that we saw in theaters that were that were really fun, um, I also saw the Dry, which is a, mm-hmm. an Australian movie in theaters right now. Um, with um Eric ba- Bana is okay. the star. Oh yeah, yeah, I read about this, <clears throat> and it's a it's based on a book, and um you know, it, it was intriguing. Like I was with it the whole time. And by the end, I'm like, this could have stayed a book, you know, right, right, <laughs> um, right. it is, it is. <laughs> the critics seem uh, to really like this movie and I liked it too. It's not a bad movie at all. It's got some really great performances. The um, It's very, very well directed. And I just think there are a lot of these kind of indie Australian movies right now that are really nailing it. They're just, they're doing exactly what they're, what they're able to do uh, with, the setting and presumably budget and, and uh, whatnot. And uh, it's just this one in particular, I didn't necessarily care for the plot direction, but it, um, I would recommend it though. Um, Right. Right. Like when was the last time you saw him, in anything. Like, I can't even remember. Yeah, it feels like Banna had a stretch and then just that he was done with it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And in this, like, he looks
0: great. He looks, like, young and strong and he plays a cop. And Honestly, he's like, man, I feel like the last thing I remember <laughs> him in was Funny People. Remember when he was, like, randomly in Funny People? Was he, he was, in Funny People? He was the other guy. That's you know, he was the guy that... Now Sandler that trying to get back like with his wife. 2011 or yeah, something and, like that, and, and it was weird or... that he was in that. But then, like there was this whole thing where he was like, you know, I started in stand up, and I was like, wait, what? That's crazy. and so yeah. like he wanted to be part of that world, but but like. It was strange that he popped up in that, yeah. and then I feel like yeah he was, he was gone. the villain in Star Trek 2009. That's right. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> that's right. That might have been more even more. I don't know, I maybe. But, but yeah, uh, and he was he was good, funny. He was good. the villain, and he was good as a villain. But he was the villain who could have been played by anybody. Mm-hmm. Like he had too much talent for like that villain. The story I, was bigger than. the Hi, villain. Chris. I'm Nero. <laughs> It was just you know it was just a hate-filled villain that was yeah. going to destroy stuff and that was it. You didn't get much else. So. Fire everything. Anyway, no, no, no. yeah. Hey, he um, looked good in the trailer. I thought he was going to be a big, yeah, big part. Yeah. It's hard to introduce seven characters in a movie and hit the ground running <laughs> and also yeah. give a great villain. I mean, I really still like that first Star Trek. It's very for strong, J. J. Abrams, yeah, yeah. and like it's hard to do that. And they, they uh, gave Agreed. you an entertaining entertaining piece. Um,
2: well, I think this is a good uh, segue into the three. We saw three movies in theaters that were kind of throwbacks. Yeah, uh, two of them we saw and at they an were AMC. All great. We saw Top Gun, a 4K remaster in uh, Top Gun, or excuse me, in AMC Dolby a couple few weeks ago. That movie's an 80s miracle, and God, it was good. And and so I think fun. my takeaway, and I see a lot of movies on the good screens, the IMAX and the Dolby, and blah blah blah. But I think my takeaway from that was I gotta I gotta see Dolby shit more often because it is just loud it sounds better it's louder mm-hmm. and the picture's better and the right. seats are better right and i just think it wins as the best screen
0: it's i think it's better than imax it's better than a lot of these other ones um, and, and you know that was one of the first things going back to theaters for me yeah, and jess right. we had been to see raya which we loved but i think w- top gun was the first thing we saw together in the theater it definitely was as, um, since the pandemic and we and and i was telling jess on the way home i was like you know I didn't even realize how much I had missed. We talk about going to the theaters, right? But we went and we watched this movie that we'd all seen. Yeah. We, but we went back it, and we right. watched this movie and we had a good time and we enjoyed yeah. it. And then we went and we fucking ordered some food and we ordered some drinks. We and sat we, for like, like two hours. We sat and we just talked right. about yeah. the movie. You yeah. Know? And, then we, and then we talked about other stuff. And like that really is part of that going out to yes. the movie experience. And this is part of what I love so much about True Romance, another Tony Scott movie yeah. Uh, segue. Yeah. That where, you know, his whole thing, even though it's a setup at the beginning and stage where he goes on this date with this girl, right. And she's like, after I see a movie, I like to go get a piece of pie and talk about the movie. You like to do that. You ever get (laughs) pie. And it's just this magical, adorable. Adorable. I think all of us like kind of dream of having that moment. Anybody who loves films. Um, and yeah, that's part of it. It's like just going, this is
2: really, this is, this is me making the point right now that I obviously agree with everything you said. There's so many people that through the pandemic, had a very negative um, or had a very positive response to, I'm never going to fucking go back to the movie theater right. again. I get everything at home. I, why would I ever? They're going to put it all on streaming? I'm set. I don't need to go to the theater ever again. I couldn't obviously disagree more with that point of view, but I also am like, but it's more than that. So, I, yeah. you know, what are we talking about here? And, and I get it. If you live somewhere where you aren't going out with a big group of friends, you're just going out yourself or maybe with your spouse. And you're like, well, we could be at home also. Then right, right. That, that tracks. I get it. But I just, this is a huge experience for us. And we.
0: Well, even if you don't know the people that you're with. Like, I was talking about something specific where you go and you shoot the shit afterwards, right. which is the best. but just something about being the communal experience of being in that dark place and the energy, especially with comedies and horror stuff where you can really feel it. But, you know, It's the same as someone saying, well, I can get the CD and I can, or not CD now, but I can listen to the music at home and the quality is going to be better than a live performance. But you still go to a concert. Now, maybe people will be more selective, but no one wants to lose that concert. There's something that's celebratory about, you're you're like, it's like going to church, man. You're like worshiping this thing that you all love. You're all feeding on the same energy and you're all enjoying the same thing. And there really is something I think that's built into humans as social creatures Mm -hmm. Uh, as as doing that. So, yeah, those were... 100%. Were when, when we
2: saw A Quiet Place, too, we saw it in IMAX. We saw it in the good IMAX at um, at uh, CityWalk, which oh, is one of our fine. only real IMAX in, in LA. And uh, there was even some kids. There were, like, a bunch of kids behind us that were super obnoxious and I really didn't, it was one of the few times in my life where I was just like, yeah, I don't really mind. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the, the kids You prefer it not happening, but of at the course. same time you're like, well. but in that setting and the kids were like, Oh, here comes a jump scare, you know? And I was just like, yeah, that's cute. It's fine, right. you know. Right. It's like it's all part of it. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, sure. uh, so we saw Top Gun, and then we saw a couple nights ago. We saw Back to the Future uh, at a Always private a AMC. Our friend Kevin, shout out, uh, we love happy. you, happy shout birthday, to Kevin. Um, happy his uh, wonderful girlfriend Maggie set up a group uh, private screening at an AMC, and there were probably. 20 of us there,
0: maybe 18, 15. I don't know. And that's one of those things that you rarely get a chance to do because once they can sell theaters, it's going to be, they're not going to be doing that that anymore, but yeah, yeah, it's relatively cheap. I'm glad we got to do that. We talked about it a lot during COVID. It was cool.
2: Yeah. We got it. We got it in once and bonus for me, my
0: favorite movie. Um, And you know what else I want to say about back to the future? (laughs) we talked about back to the future, but you know, I've thought about this before, but in watching the first one, we only we only saw the first one, mm-hmm. it's not like it was a trilogy screening, which we've been to before mm-hmm. for Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. But in watching the first one, it, it really occurred to me again just how strong they really figured out how to do trilogies. I know now we're world building. Yeah. But the eighties was the time where it went from a single movie to you can tell this story, it's a three act structure anyway, for a yeah. single movie. You're just telling a bigger one, you know, in trilogy form. And you know, I think Star Wars is a pretty perfect trilogy in that way. How it works, Ninja Turtles, I,
1: yeah, <laughs> dude. Ninja Turtles
0: is actually I could talk for thirty. No, minutes, sure, but, I know. But um, but uh, Indiana Jones, of course, yeah, once again, part of the reason that three was enough for me. Uh, die Hard, but but Back yeah. to the Future, down to the down to the fact that we're mirroring one another. I mean, when when Lorraine comes in to the you know with Doc and they've got the model and they've covered yeah. the car, yeah the DeLorean, and I'm thinking about when uh, in the third, you know, in the when they go to the in the Wild, wild West yep. and they're in the barn and they've got it covered. Clara and comes now. Clara comes yeah, in and yeah, it's yeah. like his girl. But like the way they mirror one another, obviously there's a tons a ton of tons things some in the Model third railroading one. and oh. that whole idea of like yeah. the third one, we go back, we come back to the first. It's like circular and how yeah. the middle one gets darker. I mean, that's true of all those series that I just mentioned. Yeah, you right. know, of Star Wars, of Indiana Jones, of, of Back to the Future, and it just really, really works. Like I don't know why it works so well. But well, it really works of reasons. Uh Robert Zemeckis
2: directed all three, Bob Gale wrote all three. Like it just it is a singular vision and so rare does that happen anymore. I don't even know when that has happened. You know, even with right. the Marvel stuff that has to connect so significantly, we're not even talking about trilogies, we're talking about like 20 movies they're still directed by different people. They're still written by different people. I mean, to some extent, some of them are the same, but, but you know what I mean? It, it really does disconnect at least somewhat. Um, and yeah, they just fucking, it was a different time. I don't know. I don't know why they can't get one like writer, director, producer team to just nail a trilogy nowadays.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I think it has something to do with like, the analytics of let's look at these graphs and let's have a whole room of people tell you. I mean, it's not really, that's not the creative process. That is a business process. Yes, And they've gotten very good, by the way, at the business. But I do think the creative stuff has suffered to a degree. It's not that there's not good stuff still out there. And while we're on, I know I'm digressing all over the place right now, but uh, this is our podcast. So Yes, go ahead. But uh, recently, another podcast that I listen to, sometimes the Rewatchables, they covered Raiders of the Lost Ark. And of course, they were just fawning over it. Um, and I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I just wanted to mention since I talked about that with these trilogies. Sure, I had never heard this. You know, we've all heard the Tom Selleck, you know, being up for indie, and as yeah. much as I think uh, Harrison, when you've got something that worked perfect and it couldn't have been better in your mind, you know, you want to say, "Oh, this would have sucked with anyone else." Tom Selleck, honestly, th- those movies would have been good with Selleck. I don't even know if it would have become a trilogy sure. or not, but um, he would have been a good Indiana Jones. I don't know that he could have pulled as much of the action stuff as as foreboding and kind of tall and athletic as he was. I don't know <laughs> yeah. that you would have believed that, you know, him kind of doing all the action stuff in the same way. But the other guy that I never knew was up for that role. And I don't think it ever got close other than the casting director really loved him for it. Um Uh, Jeff Bridges was up for that role as Indy. And I think it would have been a little more comical. I definitely don't think the action would have gone as well. Right. But I do think it would have been interesting with him in the hat as a young Jeff Bridges. Like, he was a good-looking guy. He looks more like Harrison Ford than people think. If you go back and look at old pictures, they have a very similar look and stature and build. Um, But the other thing was uh, for uh, the uh, Allen role for for Marion – they wanted Deborah Winger. Hmm. And I love the casting as is. I dare say that Deborah Winger, if she was into it, would have been a superior Marion. I just think she's fire. Um, But again, there's nothing wrong with that movie. That movie works perfectly. Everybody's good in it. But it it was just, it it was interesting to learn something new about a movie I've seen a million times. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and and also the the other thing they mentioned, you mentioned Zemeckis. I just got me thinking about Spielberg, you know, and obviously they have a connection. But Spielberg uh, you know, in the, I would say the 80s was his obviously he he slam dunked in the 70s with Close Encounters and Jaws, but then the 80s is really the decade to me where he makes the most Spielberg quote unquote yeah. pictures and he owns the 80s, right? It's like he gives us all the family romps that we want. He gives us all the audience pictures. He's probably the the favorite of like the general public of any director ever, sure, because he just his sentimentality, right? Like that little bit of, bit of magic, that little bit of fun that somehow he infuses in everything. And when you think about it, in the eighties, he did I don't know seven, eight movies. Three of them were Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, like, you know we think about like E.T. being his movie no, or sure. Jurassic Park. Obviously, Schindler's Luster and and Saving Private Ryan are like important oh, like films. A huge commitment but to the yeah. Indie he, he really yeah. rattled off three of the same series and that's his only series I yeah. mean, it, it can't be stated enough yeah. that's his one trilogy so right anyway that that's a random rant and it doesn't matter no, no, or mean good. anything but it just was something i wanted to talk about so
2: well it'll even us out because the amount that i shit on spielberg it's perfect you have to <laughs> listen give us some <laughs> li- hey one <laughs> some of the things they talked opinion.
0: about on this other pod they were just like you know we think about him as only making hits. You know, he made The Color Purple. Right. They were like, which is not any means a bad movie. It's just not a good movie either. Right. It's just a movie. And we do kind of overlook all the movies that are just okay. Yeah. I mean, 1941's a train wreck. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, the other movie that we saw in theaters that I know you want to talk about yeah. was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hell yeah. And that was just awesome. We went back to the New Beverly, which had just opened. It's wild
2: how much good energy that movie has. It was not just as good as I thought it was better. It's better. Yeah, than I remembered. I just don't, I can't play, like, okay, here's a good example. My favorite movie is Back to the Future. Hands down, it's always been. Yep. That's thanks to my dad. Yep. Uh, we watched it a lot when I was growing up. We would put it in. F- if we didn't put it in a few nights a week, like it was just on all the time since I was probably five years old. And, and it's a great movie
0: anyway, objectively. Ob- ob- but yes. then you've got that connection but to it. But there's the connection. Of, yeah.
2: What's crazy to me is that in the span of a week, we saw once upon a time in Hollywood in uh, the theater and we saw back to the future in the theater. And I granted they're different environments to some degree. We were around different people sure. and everything, but I just, there's something about once upon a time in Hollywood that is so, so incredibly like linked into me now that I'm like, how does that happen
0: at this late a stage in my life? I know. It's exciting when it happens. Because
2: most movies, the best movies we see in life, the absolute on any given year, the one that we go, that was the best movie that year. You can add all those up and you've got 10 or 15 or 20 of them out of the the majority of our adult life so far that we can remember. And I don't even remember what those fucking movies are. (laughs) I know. And I know. and even if you did say, "Oh, well what about uh, fucking sideways or whatever, right, you know?" Right, right. And you'd go, "Oh yeah, I really love that. Do I want to watch it right now?" No. No, not really. And if you did put it on, would I love it? I might like it. Um, but you know, whatever, it's fine. We just get so jaded as adults and um yeah, and do. and we we definitely don't generally have room in our being for, um, being truly excited like we're kids know, man. about something, it's and put back in this is the only movie I can think of that has done that in recent years, which is bizarre. Because if you would have asked me what movie would achieve that, I probably would have said like, yeah, some really cool sci-fi or something, yeah. you know, Ready Player One, like uh, Ready Player One, and maybe Edge of Tomorrow is like a good right. example of something where you're just like, oh, this is really cool, you know, I like, I like the conceit in this, right? But it's fucking Tarantino doing this crazy story and uh, it helps that when it came out it was a big deal it was the summer in LA it was hot we were we saw it at the Cinerama Dome then we saw it again at other theaters I think
0: I saw it three times when it came out yeah I did too Uh, which I have not seen a movie Three times. Other than that, in a very long yeah, time, that was just a big because deal. we we talked about this. We try to see so much, yeah, it makes it very difficult it's hard to see to fit something, in many something times. more than yeah, once. But anymore. it stood with us,
2: and uh, I think even when we saw it and it came out, and we saw it three times, we were still probably assuming that we were running on the fumes of the excitement yep. of the release. Yep. That's what I thought, and that's why I when it came when it came out on Blu-ray, I bought it, and I think I watched it once because it's 4k right. blu-ray right and i have a 4k you know setup and i was i was curious to see how good it was at home um but still that was pretty close to when it came out you know a few months after it was right. in the theater right. so now we go this long i hadn't seen it since we i was very lucky because the uh the new beverly Quinton's theater reopened and tickets went on sale and it was incredibly hard to get oh tickets yeah their ticketing system was like those. down within minutes and it, and then they were sold out within minutes and it was just nuts. Uh, and I got lucky and we got really good seats for one of the showings we wanted to go to. And, uh, it was great. It was, it was great, awesome. We went, we, uh, got merch because they have <laughs> yep. a merch Hell table. Yeah. We got, I got three shirts, uh, and, uh, and, uh, I, don't I got know, my girlfriend a shirt. I got an air
0: freshener for my She's car. She's already
2: wearing the shirt yeah. out and about. Yeah, and great! And uh, and then we you yeah, go and you know you go inside. You get some. They have amazing oh, refreshments. We got concessions for the concessions were cents. great. We got yeah, like right. Nine things for, <laughs> we did. It was like so. Uh, <laughs> they we keep got. The I was like, the I'll have a hot be. dog and I'll have. I'll have a cherry coke and a hot dog, and then he'll have a cherry coke. I'll have a popcorn. I'll have uh, an M and M's. He'll have a Kit Kat. That at AMC would have been probably fifty bucks. Oh, for sure, it was twenty for sure. And uh,
0: and we wouldn't have gotten the things that we liked as much. Yeah, they actually have like better concessions. (laughs) So funny, it's the they have Java. They
2: have Lacroix. They have all kinds of great other drinks that are just better. And it was just a wonderful fun experience. You sit, you have a great time. You watch a fucking three-hour movie, <laughs> yeah, and um, oh, we we had a blast, and, and it was just great. And you know yeah. the biggest
0: thing, like you, you're just saying, um, you know, you back to the you can name Back to the Future. I can talk about Star Wars. We we right. have our favorite movies. We have our movies we love. But I think what what obviously connects us and Mm -hmm. and people who love movies is beyond our favorite movies. We love movies, right? Like there are some people who I love dirty dancing. That's my favorite movie. I don't necessarily love movies, but everybody's got like their favorite movie other than agents of evil. Right. But, um, but then there are people who have their favorite movie. Yeah. But, elevated beyond that movie are sort of the field you know all movies like and i think we both fall into that camp um and i and once upon a time in hollywood is a celebration of movies yeah and people who make movies and the mythology built around movies like yes it is storytelling but it is the stories about storytelling particularly in one golden era yes and who better to tell that movie than tarantino who right. better to tell that story who and, is the ultimate movie fan
2: yeah and, of and, and, anybody
0: and, alive I and think, you probably. can complain about this but in this way i think it's he's it's well served the story is well served in this way yeah. he's not going to cut back on anything he's going to go 100 miles per hour he's yeah. going to put everything in it that he wants you know no matter how long-winded one scene is but it'll keep you in it the whole time which brings
2: up the question of how long a cut exists of this i mean we've heard rumors of of yeah. different lengths but well, i mean it's already to what two and a half, two forty five,
0: 245 or whatever uh i think he has probably a four hour cut of this to, movie yeah. well and now he's talking about and and i would be okay with this Now he is talking about uh, this perhaps being his final movie and not doing that 10th movie because it's been so well received. He talked about how few directors ever go out. I'm not saying he won't do that 10th movie. He's been saying he'll do it forever. But but we were talking about in the theater. I said, when do you think it's going to be announced. Quentin has picked his final project and we'll all freak out for three years and (laughs) and read stuff. Sure. And, and then the day after, I think I read an article where he was like, yeah, Quentin says that could be it. Yeah. He'll obviously still be involved in storytelling in a lot of ways, but he's like to go out on such a high note. it really would be, it'd be kind of a cool way to take a bow. I fully uh,
1: support
2: it. And because there are a lot of filmmakers um and a new quentin tarantino will inevitably be be born or right. is born and someone that can fill similar shoes uh he doesn't need to taint for lack of a better term right. his legacy and his career um by forcing himself to do anything that doesn't feel right uh once upon a time is obviously an amazing movie to end on and
0: um it's my favorite Tarantino. Yeah. Um, and I, again, yeah. I don't know that you can objectively say it's the best. I think it is, certainly has a place at the table with his best movies. I don't think you can not include it. Right. But I think what puts it over the top for me again and probably for you is in addition to it being the as subject. good as anything he's made, <laughs> yeah. that we just want to live in the subject. Yes. So it's so much fun. It is. Uh, a, and so it good is a and, world to live you know, in. Yeah. So anyway.
2: Anyways, we can move on from that. Um, I don't have too much on TV, but I do have a couple. Uh, yeah. What do you got?
0: Fortunately, we'll be pretty quick on TV yeah. because uh, we, we had a lot for movies. But right. uh, the only thing that I've really been watching TV-wise, and I crushed it and went straight through the whole series, I finally went through Ted Lasso. Thank you, man. You I, did it. I loved it. It was the opposite of Margaret. It was a, uh, <laughs> a movie that warmed my – or a TV show that warmed my heart with every episode. Join us it was on the a, light side, yeah. It was a character that just – you just boosted you. You feel God, better everyone and and Sudeikis was perfect he is the perfect guy to play that character yeah um it was enjoyable it was funny i wish i could remember all the moments because there were so many moments i was like it, oh i'm gonna talk it about it blows this right this. by yeah, but yeah it know. goes by so quick and i'm also happy that he announced we will not go beyond three seasons yep, three seasons because yeah. like we've talked about many times you sacrifice quality he's a smart guy them. so
2: these are these are good people that make this and uh they're clearly not out to,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: to abuse our feelings. So that was it for me, and and we we loved. Oh, it. that's great, man! It, so. I'm really Can't glad for you, a second season. Really glad you got around to that. And what's cool for you is that now the time between now and the new season yeah, will be pretty soon. short. I'll be ready. I'll be ready to jump um, right back in. So I watched and finished Mayor of Town, which is this Kay Winslet show that's been on HBO. Yeah, have you liked that? Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, there are shows like it. There have been many in recent years on HBO dramas, um, like small town dramas. Uh, you could put the, uh, that sharp objects show in that category where Amy Adams goes to her hometown and deals with the hometown people. And you got your, um, I know this must be true, uh, show with Mark Ruffalo playing twins. That's another like small town HBO show. There's just a lot of these small town HBO shows. And, uh, so that's a whole genre. And both of those I just mentioned, I think are better. Than this, um, but it doesn't change the fact that this has some really great performances in it. Kate Winslet is wonderful, probably doing the best work of her life. Maybe oh, I wow. mean, okay. I I can't I've heard good things. I can't think of what else she's been in that you know that is like really substantial in terms of her having to show some range uh um, titanic yeah right <laughs> i'm not gonna count that i'm gonna forget you said that uh, anyways i mean no she's good in titanic of course yeah but that's the different time and a different thing um but um but yeah mayor i don't know sure watch it i don't know it's a little predictable and kind of whatever um but a couple other ones there's another hbo show called hacks that we just binged um hacks is starring um gene smart who has had a great recent career, Um, and then a girl that I forget her name. She's relatively uh, a brand-new actor. Um, But uh, Hacks is about – I'll just give you the pitch. Uh, It's about a a comedy writer in L.A. who has been canceled. (laughs) She's a 25-year-old comedy writer who tweets something really negative about a senator – Um, And we are to believe that what she says about him, even though it's accurate, uh, is so mean that she is now canceled because of this negative thing she said about this sitting center or whatever. Um, Who cares? Uh, People in LA don't (laughs) actually cancel people for that, by the way, but whatever. That's the conceit of the show. She's canceled, and so she's unemployable. And so the only job they can find her is kind of writing punch-up for a... Let's call it like uh, very uh, well uh, established career stand up performer, but on the end of her career, uh, this woman played by Gene Smart, uh, who is a um, uh, has a Las Vegas residency, so she's doing her stand up. You think like a Joan Rivers or something, you know, like yeah, that yeah. type. Um, and me and Laurie were thinking, we're like, what are there women? Uh, comics are there that are like still do you know like late in their career you have your rosie o'donnell you have you know but people that are actually like is are there any doing shows in vegas not not really right right. there's not a whole lot but anyways so it kind of takes place between vegas and la and whatnot and um it's it's quite good. There's some really good comedy in it. I laughed very very hard at quite a few things in it. I think it's I think right it's on. pretty good. Jean Smart has had a really good career in the recent years. She was also a co lead in Mare of Easttown. She was in um, uh, *Watchmen* on HBO a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, she was on *Legion*, the uh, FX show that was really nuts. She was in *Fargo* a couple of seasons ago. Um, she's had a really great great career in recent years. Um, And this is no, no different. She's really wonderful. Right on. Um, on. The uh, the last two things I'm going to mention the friends reunion. Did you watch that? Hell yeah. (laughs) That was cute. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I, I could not have not watched that. It's, um, it's a thing where um, I don't, you know, I don't know if the special was good or if I just grew up watching <laughs> all of friends, do you know what I mean? So it couldn't have not been like seeing them get back together exactly and, kind right, of reminisce. Yeah. and I look, man, I was kind of mo- like, I, w- I very much enjoyed the fresh Prince reunion. Right. So I remember telling Jess before it started, she was like, you think it's going to be good or what if it sucks? And I was like, look, these things are just about getting these people back together and them telling stories about that's the stuff it, that you yeah. watch. So how could it not it's be good? It's not about good and look, or bad. If it's you so hate about, Friends, yeah. don't watch it. Of course, you know, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but if but if that was one of the sitcoms back when sitcoms were the thing for TV, for me, that was the one I grew up with, and me and my best friends and family watched like so much of America. We right. don't have. Water cooler shows like that anymore because right. there is too much content for everybody to watch one thing. And also, I was completely in love with Jennifer Aniston. That sure. was my first celebrity crush when sure. I was like ten. So all of he that still won't shut weird. up
2: about it
0: <laughs> every goddamn <laughs> and, and listen, day. All of my favorite people are now made of plastic, and right, right, <laughs> right. right. And, and it is what it is. But um, it, yeah, is, it was a lot of it fun. It's
2: cool to see all the actors who have stayed in L.A. acting.
0: And then there's Matt LeBlanc. Dude. And and LeBlanc, And he's my fucking he favorite. He owned it. because is so good. There are so many memes right now of when your dad, with him smiling, sitting back with his belly. And yeah. And when your dad can't remember your friend's name and he's listening to the story. There's a million of these now on the internet. And God it makes damn. me laugh so hard that they're there. Because, Matt is so good. Well, he was the funniest one on the show. And he just seems to be the most like, hey, you know what? We're having a good time. Lack this of better is, term, down but to earth.
2: Yeah. That's that's all that is what that term means and he is seems very grounded and it's all because i i I would imagine it's all because he did get away from hollywood for a significant amount of the last few decades right and a couple decades and uh i think he lives in like montana on a ranch or something and he just hasn't you know, we we liked episodes that yep. show he was in. Yeah, I enjoyed in, it. But that's like virtually the only thing I can think of. He, I love Lost in Space, nineteen ninety eight, and and episode. Oh boy, and, uh, oh boy. <laughs> it's like Matt LeBlanc way. on top of his
0: game. That actually speaks to how big that show was because right. all of them got movies. That maybe they weren't even suited for, and were huge based simply on the fact that we knew all six of those friends. Yes, like all of them, they were instantly recognizable anywhere Um, in the world. It's why they you put them on a poster. Break out of their roles, but it's also why they got the opportunity. So, Uh, very good. A lot of fun.
2: Um, The last thing I want to mention is Loki. Excuse me. Started this. Haven't watched any of it. Did you check it out? I did, and uh, I won't get too into it, but I really loved it. Like, I, it was really one of the
0: more, it. just from the trailers, it was one yeah. of the ones that I thought, this could be good.
2: Like, I really liked WandaVision. It's very um, retro. It's very weird. Um It's actually quite a bit like a David Lynch show so far. Ah, okay. Um, right it's on. very abstract. of that. But I think they're going to... I think they'll probably gear away from the abstract, and, and this was just kind of the hook getting us in, and I think it'll probably be a little bit more straightforward. But um the, the writer-director... Or, excuse me, the writer-creator, this guy Michael Waldron, uh, really hasn't done much. He's been attached to, like, Rick and Morty and something else that was really good. He's got some good credits, but it's few. It's, like, two things that he's credited on. Um, Owen Wilson is the, like, co-lead so far with uh, Tom Hiddleston. And brilliant casting like by the end of end of it i'm like i can't picture anybody else i think he's perfect and he's also with owen wilson i mean owen wilson years ago you remember his he had a whole like suicide scare and that's like very scary stuff because we pretty much all love owen wilson i mean i would say right oh yeah Um, wow
1: wow that's a good message (laughs) (laughs) um
0: wow yeah.
2: Um oh, anyways, wow. the point is that Owen Wilson is a goddamn treasure in this show. He's so good and he's really he's working very hard. Like you can see him giving his absolute all right. for this show and uh and it it's just kind of surprising. Um anyway, because Julie, you also have t- you even t- seen, seen Star Wars? Wars? Sorry. Um, yeah, that's good. I should pull that one. <laughs> that's, that's another good one. That's a good one. Um Let's see, what's this one? Wow, and how'd that affect you with guys? (laughs) That's not really relevant. It's still good, though. (laughs) You can't miss on those quotes. Yeah, right, right. So Um, funny.
1: Wow, that's great. Anyways, yeah, that's good.
2: Um, I loved it, and I highly recommend it, and I hope it keeps up. Anyways, we could transition now into. I don't have too much left, but some movies and some upcoming stuff. A little, um, little bit of
0: news here. Uh, some movies, I, some I, news. I want to. I, I want to yeah. do a tribute to uh, real quick. Um, you won't know this person. I'm going to ask anyway because it's the way to transition. Yeah. Do you know who Samuel E. Wright is? No. He was the voice of Sebastian in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> cool. Yeah. To me, one of the great voice work you know disney kind of from that era sure. you, know, you of course you got robin williams as the genie um and um uh you know james earl jones as right. is incredible but i really think he absolutely crushed it he passed away uh, a couple weeks ago yeah. uh, 74 years old so not young but you know certainly not not old. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, a little shout out, uh, yeah. tribute, rest in peace. Uh, one, one of the most iconic and, uh, memorable characters in my opinion from the sort of the Disney, uh, vault, I totally guess we'll call it. Um, but yeah, he was a, he was a great one. So, um, shout out there. Um, and, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that I don't, I don't really know what to say about this, but I told you about it at the back to the future screening. Um, There is a God. What would you even call it? Leah Thompson and her actual real life daughter (laughs) are playing mothers and daughters who switched bodies, like in a Freaky Friday situation. Right, and it's called a Total Switch Show. And I thought from the advertisement it was a show. Apparently, it is on Audible. So I guess they're reading. It's a podcast, right? And it's like, but it's available on Audible. And well,
2: it's an Audible original podcast, which presumably...
0: All of this is very weird. Only <laughs> like, that's the I'm bringing on, it up. What is it? All of it is very weird, and I just wanted to mention it because I, I'm just weirded out by it's it. It's produced by Team Coco, Conan's production company. Um,
2: this is very bizarre. I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, yeah. Not a classic actress. <laughs> I'm some Bradley Whitford, Giancarlo Esposito, Bobby Moyer, and Judy Greer, Christopher Mintz-Plasse, and Sashir Zameda. Wow!
0: Wow! Wow! I had that you with other
2: guys? You know, guys! <laughs> wow! Well. Play the
0: play the, I've got a bad feeling about this. If you got handy, uh, yeah.
2: I got a bad feeling
0: about this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It might be great. I don't really have a bad feeling about it because I don't care. But I wanted to bring it up because it's a weird thing and I thought we should uh, at least mention it. I know. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is going yeah. well. This is <laughs> going well. It's okay. Let's um, just have an experimental 30 minutes where you just run different effects and sound The
2: movie's such a mess yeah. that it's almost hard to <laughs> nail down what to talk about. Okay, yeah.
0: Um <laughs> I'm so glad that so we have those in the news section.
2: Um I just wanted to mention that since we talked to you last, uh it was the 25th anniversary of the movie Twister, which is Hell a movie yeah. that we uh, did a a, uh, we got cows. commentary on. Commentary is still available online. if you want to check it out. It's still uh, just as good as it was last yes, time. Yes, it is still just as good. It doesn't expire. Um, and they had a meetup in Wakita, Kansas. Oh wow! Um, and uh, I saw a bunch of pictures online of like people with like pe- the the movie accurate cars that is and great. people that, that built the Dorothy machine like and had it in the back of their Dodge. Ram. That is awesome. Uh, so pretty cool. Um, Phil Seymour Hoffman's
0: <laughs> fin- finest finest role. Role.
1: that's no moon that's a space station
2: <laughs> that would be so a, good. yeah that'd be a good one um amazon is uh expected to buy mgm uh for 8.45 billion dollars which there's i think there's a bunch of stipulations and i don't I think, know what to think about I, I think they don't necessarily get the full rights to everything like all the bond movies i think there was right, something about right. movies released before a certain date they don't have as much access or control or streaming access to or something. I'd be a little wary of the Bond stuff. For sure. But there's a lot in there, so we'll see. But
0: um, Well, you know, they already own our you and <laughs> I, our favorite intellectual property in Middle Earth, uh, Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, State, big time. So big time. There you go.
2: I mean, I'm gull nervous. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh Wait. This is very important to me because early in the pandemic, very early in the pandemic, one of my first pandemic watches where I was like, oh, this is fucking great. No one else watched, which was Tammy and the T-Rex. Well, I've watched it. You've watched it now. Okay, good. Did you listen to the How Did This Get Made (laughs) episode? Of course. That's why
0: we watched it. Yeah, of
2: course. So what'd you think?
0: Tammy and the
2: T-Rex. Wait, did we
0: talk about this yet? I don't
2: think so. I don't think we did. Um, Now's a perfect time. Yeah. It, whether we <laughs> did there's not, a microphone. it warrants, <laughs> yeah, multiple discussions.
0: Um, I, <sighs> How Did This Get Made is a podcast that makes sense because a lot of movies fit into that category, but I don't know that there's ever been one more appropriate <laughs> than Tammy and the T-Rex. And a lot of the reason is... It was so it's retroactively kind of, created. It's, I mean, it,
2: it is a reverse-engineered movie. The idea Meaning of literally, we have a
0: how did you make this? <laughs> what's the what's the Jurassic Park? Say again? <laughs> we have a T-Rex. We have a T-Rex. It's the, I mean, that is literally what... Okay, so we've got a couple weeks with this T-Rex. Right. It is an animatronic T-Rex. Right. We're going to shoot a movie. We write a script. In a way, In a lot of ways, it's endearing, and I love it, because he literally is a guy who said... Any ideas you guys bring to set, we're going to roll with. I don't want you to be married yeah. to the script. If you, And that's also why it's a hot mess, yeah. because it's just a bunch of ideas thrown at the wall and seeing what sticks. But this movie, first of all, we watched the gory. I don't know if you watched the gory, the yeah, full yeah, gory yeah. version, yeah. which ended up all being cut out so you, so they could release it, because it's fucking Tammy and the T-Rex. You want to release it like right, teenagers. Right. What I want to say mainly about this movie is it's Paul Walker. It's uh, Denise Richards. Yeah. And it's an animatronic T Rex, which, by the way, they take out a kid's brain, Paul Walker's brain, they put it into the animatronic T Rex.
2: Yeah, it's not an animatronic T Rex that's supposed to be a real T Rex. It's, it's, it's supposed to be an to animatronic an T
0: Rex. And his consciousness becomes locked in this animatronic T Rex. We're to believe But he's that running around killing people like a real dinosaur. Like. As if revenge. his jaws and
2: arms and things were real killing machines as if he was a real t Listen,
0: we're not saying it's not problematic, but what <laughs> I want to say that I took from this movie, I have never, never considered Denise Richards a talented actress. Except for this movie. You have to, at some level, I don't care what you think about Nick Cage, yep. any of these people, Keanu Reeves... You have to acknowledge how difficult it is to go all in. Yes. And commit to something that is silly and ridiculous. And yes. if you've ever been on stage even in a high school play, you know, you realize that human nature is to not do that. Human nature is to close that up, protect yourself from just insanity yes. and absurdity. And she is playing this shit as if it's it the most realistic I not, have lost my boy. She is delivering lines. She is emotional. Not she, even, is not she is crying. She is making me believe the tears.
2: Not even in the same vein or energy as every other huge movie she was ever in after it. She is more committed and, dare I say, better in every way in this movie than anything she was
0: ever in after. I agree. And I don't I, know why. I don't know if it's one of... I I couldn't say it's one of the best performances, but I am going to state with 100% certainty, it is one of the most impressive performances <laughs> that I have ever watched. That's a good word. Yeah. I, I'm not kidding. I was turning to Just throughout, and I was like, she is all in. Yeah. She, be- she is so sincere. She believes everything she's doing, and I don't know how. I don't know how she <laughs> right, could possibly right. be this energetic <laughs> and this in on this. I mean – It's the opposite of like the late Marlon Brando movies and Johnny Depp stuff where they're showing up and they're completely unplugged and they're like, okay, let's say the lines and let's get out of here. It's the opposite end of the spectrum. I just want to say
2: that I am really upset that I didn't know they were doing this episode and even more, they were doing a live virtual version of it, which I haven't done.
0: We got on for it.
2: And I... Am
0: so sad I wasn't a part of that. I know? wish I had known that you would have cared about that one because I definitely. I br- would I'm have the one that brought it up I, at the beginning I, I of the know, pandemic. I know
2: I this. Know. I we did a whole episode where I, I know, ranted I about know. it. Listen, it was a long because pandemic. I did research about it and I had <laughs> gone down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of Tammy and the. Look, T-Rex. I'm older now, man. I don't yeah. remember
0: everything. Oh, that's man.
2: why we're recording all these conversations. There so is a reason. Senile. <laughs> there is a reason I did it at the beginning of the pandemic, and I don't remember why. I think someone else did an episode okay, of a podcast. It's not like I. I found it. I someone it yeah, came yeah, up at yeah. some point. I forget what it was. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um oh, what a movie. I uh I think uh, I'd love to just mention some of the really fun trailers that I've seen and mention a couple of things that are coming up. Um we got a trailer for Eternals, the new Marvel yeah, movie.
0: Didn't give away much.
2: No, but I thought it looked super interesting. It's supposed to be incredible. I, um, you know, the, this is, uh, directed by Chloe Zhao, who just won best director for Nomadland. And that's so the playbook nowadays. Bizarre, that's how you do it. But right? You do I'm Fruit on Bell I'm, station and then you do a Rocky movie and a hundred percent and I'm a hundred percent on board with that. We got the trailer finally for the tomorrow war, which is this Chris Pratt, uh, yep. action yep. movie. Pratt is a badass. Um, I thought it looked really dumb. <laughs> um and I'll see it heavy CGI. Yeah. Very but heavy. if we weren't in this post COVID environment where they're going to put that shit on Amazon, like mm-hmm. right when it is in theaters or whatever, then I would have said, yeah, this is going to bomb, but I think uh, it'll be an entertaining movie to watch. Of course I'm going to watch it. Uh, we got the trailer for old, the new M night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Looks creepy. Um, I question I the title, like, but it looks creepy. I quite as hell. like what it looks like, and i I like the premise so far. And i I'm rooting. I'm pretty much rooting for him all oh, the time. Oh, me too. Me too. Every it's time. just a, a bummer that he he he. Like we're in the bleachers, like with the foam finger and the pennant, and he kind of just like always like looks away from yeah. us and like yeah. walks away. He he just doesn't quite. Um, uh make the stuff that he used to. I don't know. Um I, I'm I'm a fan of his, but not for the most part of the recent stuff.
0: There is a um, uh stand-up comedian and forgive me, I, I didn't think I was gonna talk about this. Sure. I yeah. don't remember the guy's name, but there's a stand up comedian who does a bit, somebody recently sent it to me, um, about the sixth cents. And he he talks about how like you guys remember like we all saw that we were we were all when we first saw that shit we were shocked and sure it was a thing man he's like none of us knew none of us could predict it sure and you know you think back and it's like okay this guy was shot at the beginning of the movie like they showed us the murder it was more believable to us that a wife would not talk to her husband for a year (laughs) Yeah. Then that he was dead. Yeah. And we were, we were like, yep, been there, buddy. I stand yeah. for that. It, was, it is the funniest. That's actually. he sets it up so much better quite, than I that's did. That's quite a good analysis, But it is a great, yeah. great stand-up. You can find that that bit on that's YouTube. Funny. It's pretty great.
2: Um, another trailer I saw, which uh, is a movie coming up really soon, uh, a documentary called The Sparks Brothers. Um, yeah. From Edgar Wright on June 18th. That'll be in theaters. And down for anything, I just Edgar yeah, Wright. anything yeah. he does. So this is a good segue into did you watch the last night in Soho trailer? I, I have seen the trailer. Yes, that um, looks, and crazy. looks terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it was really scary. I'm on board. I don't know what it's about. It Me looks like, it looks like he's channeling some Hitchcock I'm in there. It looks very Hitchcock and weird. It's gonna be a love letter to the um, movies. That's for sure. For sure. Movies. Uh, we love Edgar Wright, of course. Uh, a couple other weird ones that I saw that I noted. Um, one called Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's a trailer with a lot of a huge cast uh, that you'll know every one of. Um, that's a super weird trailer for kind of a fun action movie. And then the last one, which is super weird, is Reminiscence, which I don't like that name either. I don't like that word. Um, this is a upcoming movie from Lisa Joy, I think. Uh, okay. She's I think that's her name. The co-creator of Westworld. Oh, okay. um, and it is starring Hugh Jackman, and it's got Tandy Newton and uh, what's the girl from the recent Mission Impossibles Rebecca Ferguson? Yeah, she's great, so the three of them, I'm like, yeah, I like all three of them, a lot, um, especially Rebecca Ferguson, and this movie looks hugely ambitious. The trailer is really bad. It looks like so like like it's a sci-fi movie, and it looks right. bad to me. And then on top of that, it, it kind of feels like Westworld. Westworld is the pinnacle of all style, no substance. This yeah, right, this movie looks like that, and so I would highly recommend watching the trailer just so you can tell me if I am right okay, on yeah. all that. Um, And And if it goes goes on the streaming stuff, then that'll be one for sure that I'll see. But it it strikes me as uh, a bomb. Um, So anyways, I don't know.
0: Um, that's all I got for well, that. I wanted to stuff. mention a couple things. Yeah, uh, These aren't necessarily even movie related; they're more shit related. But uh, right. I just wanted to mention. Um, I think I talked to you about this, but there's a podcast called The Pod Directive, a play mm-hmm. on the Prime Directive, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Star Trek podcast. I haven't listened. To a I've lot listened of episodes, to a bit of them. Yeah, but I, I listened to one. They had Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson. Yeah. who I'm a fan of on there to cover the Wrath of Khan. Um, and if you're a fan of that movie or, or Star Trek, or even if you just like good podcasts, that's worth checking out. Uh, it's sure. a really great episode. Um, you got me completely hooked on Letterboxd. Uh, if you guys are <laughs> yeah. movie fans and you I like you ranking would. movies and rating movies and kind of seeing the community and what your friends have seen, um, that's definitely worth checking out. That um, is I've just an been app. been ranking stuff all uh, the time. It is, yeah, an, it is a,
2: it's a phone app yeah. called
0: Letterboxd with, uh, with just a D at the end instead of an E-D. Um, and uh it's it's been great fun. I, I can't stop. I'm completely addicted. But what I when I really knew I'd made the right choice to uh to create an account was right when I first set myself up, uh they immediately showed me it's that it's just a meme, but it's that clip from Star Wars with Obi-Wan looking at Luke, and it says, that's good. You've taken your first step into a larger world. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I was like, this is this a great is, decision. It's home I, for I me. Yeah.
2: The only other thing I wanted to mention here. and By the way, is- by the way, shout out to Clay, a friend of the podcast and fellow podcaster, Clay Keller, uh, because he got me in a roundabout way into Letterboxd just because – I saw him doing it so much and I was just like, wow, he really uses this app religiously. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I like
0: listing stuff. Well, I'm not I like now. rating stuff. And it's nice to yeah. have, honestly, to, to A be able to kind of re- reference back hundred yeah, percent, what you've yeah. seen and where, and where you rated, it. And yeah. sometimes you revisit that. But anyway, the only thing I wanted to mention, uh, totally random. I just find this, this is old news, but it's new news to me. Sure. Did you know, Kelly, that Iron Man Tom Cruise in all of his contracts, it is stated His likeness cannot be used for action figures. Really? That is why you've never seen a Tom Cruise action figure. That's amazing. Can you imagine how much merchandising money is being left on the table? It has to be something Scientology related. I was thinking about this and because they're specifically saying you can't do this. They're not saying we want a piece of the pie. They're not saying like Jack Nicholson made more money right. off of having a tiny percentage of Joker products than yeah. every movie he's ever done combined. Right. Think about the movies that Tom Cruise has made right. and the merchandising opportunities. We're talking like uh, with all the stuff he's been in, we are talking like George Lucas level yes. merchandising for Star billions Wars, which and is and where he made his money. And, billions, yeah. and Tom Cruise specifically has stated that they cannot do that for many of his characters. I just find it fascinating. I wanted to mention it. I don't know what to think about it, but holy hell All I can say is Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and how that affects you with girls. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the opposite of capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's right. literally like how can we not <laughs> take advantage of this opportunity? Uh, fascinating no, stuff, just wanted no, to share with I don't all like money. Listeners. Oh um, my god. That's really wild. Yeah, it's uh, real weird. I have never heard that. Not the weirdest thing I've heard about Tom
2: Cruise. But it's when weird. I when I hang out with him next, I will make <laughs> sure to talk to him about it. I'm sure he'll love oh, to god. open up to me about it. Oh god. Um. So we should do some Rotten Tomato scores. Hell I yeah. just threw this together right when you got here because I wasn't sure what to do, but I think it's a given that we got to do Tarantino. Um, Let's do it, dog. And, and 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 by the way, like you know, we talk about his nine movies. That he's you know trying to do a tenth, he'll round it out to 10, but he also doesn't really need to. Um, that's all not including death proof. Right? Which, to me, is a movie that he directed.
0: Right. So
2: well, yeah. So let's just wrap them off before short? you get into. Yeah, them. go for we it. Got.
0: Well, first of all, no one, no one includes his directorial True, debut. Wrong. I can't remember yeah. what Why? it is, but his little indie film that he did before. Really oh, no one, no, yeah, no one includes yeah, that. No one includes that. So let's take that off the table right off the bat. Can't even remember what it's called. Never seen yeah, it. Right. But you've got Reservoir Dogs. You've got right. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You've got your Jackie Brown. Right. Yeah, correct. And you've got that long hiatus before he comes back with Kill Bill. Right. But are we including Kill Bill as Volume One and Two as two different movies? Those are two separate movies. Okay, so that takes you up to five. But if you took it as one, yeah, correct. Yep. So then, your sixth one would be Death Proof if you're
2: including it. Yeah. If you're
0: including that, yeah. but let's say because Kill Bill split and Death Proof, we rounded out. We just consider it two movies. Right. You're either leaving right. one out or you're including too many. Right. So then you've got uh, for your seventh, you've got Inglorious Bastards. Correct. and then you've got uh, for your eighth, you've got or yeah, yep. eighth you've got yep, Django yep. Unchained. You got it. Then ninth would be the Hateful Eight, yep. which doesn't have the same ring to it, <laughs> and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nailed so it. yeah. So if you're incl- if you're counting. Kill Bill as a single movie and not counting Death Proof, then yes, you have nine. But if you're including
2: them all separately, it is ten.
0: Yeah. Or
2: eleven, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's ten. Oh, it's It's ten. That's what I'm saying? Okay. I'm saying he did his ten.
0: Fair enough. For all,
2: for our, you know, for, for. Separate. They're they're saying.
0: I'm just saying. There's ways if you if you keep. Oh Kill no. Bill is one. If you keep Kill Bill I, as one. I'm movie, just saying in our not.
2: heads. If he retires, for sure. He, to me, sure. he did ten movies.
0: Look, True Romance is his movie. As far as yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, sure. But, that's, but, hey, fair. that's also Tony <laughs> Scott. So. Okay, what they co direct? Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Reservoir, Dogs. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Big Splash. Uh, I think uh, considered uh, well beloved by a lot of people. Yeah. So I'll say critics gave Reservoir Dogs uh, a 91. And audiences gave it a 87. 92 and 84. Very, Pretty very close. good guesses. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Um, then you've got Pulp Fiction, The Masterpiece. Right. Right. Sorry to jump ahead. Yeah, no, please Um man. I'm going to say critics for Pulp Fiction gave it a 94. And audiences, I think, gave this movie a 92. Uh, 92 and then 96. So, again, very close. Averaging out. Okay, good, averaging good out. Good guesses, there. yeah. Jackie Brown was the one that kind of brought him to his knees. Yeah. Uh, it's the one that he. I think it's a great adaptation, uh, especially it may be one of the best adaptations for an author. That there's a lot of movies. I mean, Get Shorty is based on sure. the same uh, writer, but um, but it was also where Tarantino said, "I realize I really need to direct my the stuff I write." Yeah, because I've got that's kind of my voice. Yeah, um, Jackie Brown. I think for critics, I think they still probably liked his filmmaking. I think critics probably gave Jackie Brown. Like a eighty and I think audiences didn't dig it. Maybe I'm misremembering. I think audiences gave it I'll say eighty and seventy. Eighty seven and eighty five. So not nearly as bad. No, not
2: I I I think there'd be such backlash. I thought there would be like some splats there, some some rotten. I mean Spielberg
0: like famously said to Tarantino, You finally you finally been hit. Like now it's your job to get up. Right. That's what directors. Oh no, I'm I'm wrong. That was after Death Proof.
2: Oh, oh okay, okay, got, fair, yeah, enough, fair enough, fair enough. Different thing, different thing. sorry. Um, well, let's uh, get
0: right into Kill Bill Volume 1 then. I mean, in my mind, everybody loves this. So, right. So um, I think critics gave Kill Bill a 90 and audiences gave Kill Bill a 92. So it's 85 and 81. Oh, so significantly lower than I thought. It's I'm,
2: I'm lower like, than, than Jackie Brown, which is weird. whoa.
0: Yeah. That seems like one that for yeah. Tarantino fans is considered Agreed. like in the top 2 or 3.
1: Kill now. Bill
2: is the one that got me into cuz that's 2003 so it's I'm me in, too. in in I'm high with you, man. I'm in high school and I it's the one that I'm like oh yeah I fucking love this. Yeah. And it's not just the gore and everything. Like I always watched whatever. My parents never cared what I watched, and it was very well handled action. It just is so stylistically satisfying. Especially volume one, while also being just so expertly made. And Uma Thurman is one of my all time. She's one of my big crushes, but she's also just she's just the best. And um. This movie then gets me retroactively into his previous stuff later. Right, 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 right. And I think I had seen Pulp Fiction at least and then, you know, kind of filled in. But the point is the fact that this is so far the lowest one, very disappointing to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, super
0: disappointing. I'm like you. I was um I tried to watch his stuff because I wanted to consume everything yeah. as a young film fan. Right. And I watched Tarantino stuff way too early and didn't get what was unique about it, right? other than scenes held my attention because he just does that. But it was kill bill that got me also where I was like, I'm going to revisit these things. And from that point on, I was, I was just on board. It's not that he's the filmmaker for me, but I, but I was just could respect it. And I'll, and that's one of the movie experiences I'll never forget because I was in college. Yeah. I think it was freshman year. And I, I basically, I was like, I want to see this movie and a bunch of friends just, Either didn't care or wanted to do something else. And my friend Kelly, Nasus, cool. shout out to Kelly, corn uh, now, um, was like, I'll go to this movie with you. She had never seen a Tarantino movie and right. also didn't know anything about Kill Bill. So we got to the end of Volume 1, yeah. you know, which is famously where he says she know her daughter is still alive. Right. And the music comes up. And it's just a great beat. I oh, yeah. On. That's chills. Get-cliffe. Yeah, chills. And I remember being so fucking excited about yeah. the for the second one. And Kelly also was just like, who's not even necessarily like, I'm not saying she's not a movie fan, but you know, not, not a film student or anything like that. And was just like, what the fuck? You know, like we were like both like just two college kids that were like, holy shit. Went and had dinner after that. Again, it was like what we were talking about. We were shooting the shit. talking about Yeah. I started talking about what I knew about Tarantino. It's one of those nights that will always stay in my mind. It was one of my most favorite, like early college experiences. Sure. Hanging out with friends. So uh, yeah, it should be higher rated. Um, Beautiful. Well, yeah. if volume one was in the eighties, I, I mean, I think volume two was the one that people thought was kind of not bad, but the lesser of the two. So I'll say critics around the same, I'll say critics gave it an 82 and I'm going to say audiences gave it a 78, 84 and 89 audiences, 89. On yeah. Volume so in
2: 81, I you think said? that on? was right. Yeah. Let me look. Um, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It was uh, yeah, 81. I that makes um no sense. I what you just said about you remembering that people didn't necessarily like it as much or whatever I remember it differently um I remember people with number 2 going this is the more accessible one this is the one that is more it is slower it's more dramatic uh it but it has better beats to it it has better wow. be, more heart and more substance to it than the over stylized volume one, wow, okay, and okay. it and it brought people back into it, and they went, okay, if we're looking at this as a as a two part of of one yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. then it is the same way as looking at the first act of a story versus the second act of a story where you're going, okay, I don't quite get it yet, but I will. And uh, and yeah, and I loved volume two as well. I mean, the second I one, both. I need to rewatch it. I love it, them both. The
0: second one does have the escape. I was thinking about iconic moments yeah. and escaping from the the, the grave, the, right? The yep. coffin. Um, And yep. it's got the, um, of course, where she goes and reclaims her daughter at the end. But I just think like, you know, the Crazy 88's fight is always gonna go down as yeah, one of the great duels so and sword fights ever, leading directly into one of the great one on one battles ever, that beautiful yeah. sequence between Lucy Liu and her. In the snow, yeah. But you know, it's it's also got I mean, all the Pussy Wagon, the getting out of the <laughs> you know, the the uh hospital, really uh, the your big the, toe. the fight with uh um uh Vernetta Green. Yeah, yeah, with uh, I just I don't know. It just seems to me like when I think back on it, the moments that really jump in my head, I mean, the Bumblebee, Flight of the Bumblebee with the yellow suit, you know, the tribute to, um, uh, bruce lee all that stuff anyway but yeah i mean i guess maybe i'm i'm underrating was the hattori Hanzo where he makes the sword for her is that whole sequence in the second or the first
2: uh i think it's the second
0: one okay but so maybe I could i'm be, just I could throwing more of them into the first than here's
2: here's the thing i think right before the pandemic or at least maybe a year before i did both of these at the new bev without you and I think How could you? I'm sure You're I invited you. I know you did. Um, you son I of a bitch. would highly recommend doing that if you yeah. get a chance. I obviously would be down to go again too. I, I know. I'm, but I'm, um, I'm
0: side swiping this uh, this whole rotten tomato segment. Yeah. But I really want to go. I've told Justice I want to go through all of the filmography of Tarantino either before his tenth movie. Yeah. Or if that's not happening, I just want that's it now that we can get scene. together again. I know Rachel would be down. Mm-hmm. I know you'd probably be down. Yeah. but I really would like to get some folks together a couple weekend nights in a row and maybe knock out two a night or something and just rock through all of them. Right, I just think it would be the right. blast. Anyway, okay, that's so great. that's Kill Bill Volume One. Let's and two. do Death Proof just because. Okay, I got, I got to go low on these. I think uh, critics for I can't. I think critics for Death Proof probably gave it in like maybe like a sixty-eight. And I think audiences probably gave it like a 60. 65 and 72. So very, very good yeah. guesses. I mean, I think um, even, I like even the Proof, rating that was as high as it was, I think, yeah. is people appreciating what he was trying to do yeah. and how he matched that Grindhouse thing. I mean, even yeah, though people didn't he really was enjoy attempting
2: it. to do a certain
0: think and, and he, he did, did it. it it just wasn't <laughs> that enjoyable it was like i think he got a little too much into his own head and what he likes which you could accuse him of in every movie yeah. but that one the the huge it's, extent to it was yeah. like are you making this for anyone else or just you right and rodriguez who i love
2: as well. um now uh next up is what i think a lot of people in modern day
0: would say is their favorite quentin tarantino movie glorious bastards yeah it's one of my favorites. Uh, and also, can you, the incredible confidence, someone call it gall, to end a movie with a character looking directly at the screen and saying, this just may be my masterpiece. <laughs> it's just the ultimate pull your dick out yeah, moment for Tarantino, yeah, yeah. and I love it. Yeah. Um, I loved *Inglorious Bastards. To me, sure. having Kill Bill and following that with *Inglorious Bastards, that was really the reason, like you said, that I was just, I was on board sure. with Tarantino yeah. from that point yeah. on. Um, Inglorious Bastards, I will say... Critics gave uh, an 85, and audiences gave an 87. 89 and 88. Okay, pretty close. Again, very good I'm classes. happier that those were higher. I think yeah, that's a yeah. awesome movie. I mean, to me, we've already talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. right? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Kill Bill, and Glorious Bastards. If you gave me those three, that's the Tarantino trilogy. Pulp Fiction, of course, belongs on the Mount Rushmore of Tarantino right, for right. obvious reasons, but those are my three.
2: Nice. Yeah. I I think I think I'm I'm 100% agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Pulp pulp fiction is uh is like a warm-up to the to the eventuality of of Tarantino. Like it's iconic because it's early.
0: Well, it ushered in everything when Tarantino became his own genre. Yeah. And pulp fiction was the one that established that genre, established yes. that world. Yes. It's always going to be the first to get there. It belongs ahead of all of these for that reason. Yes. And for that to arrive in 94 and literally change the landscape. So ahead of its
2: time in but movies. I'm yeah. just
0: talking about at the end of the day. My sentimentality and what I'm into, yeah. I, I'm I'm never going to be Pulp as Fiction. cool as that yeah. movie is. Yeah. I'm never going to be as into the gangster L.A. film about a bunch yeah. of like gutter dwellers, you right, know, right. As as cool as the suitcase is, what's in there, all the right, things, right. the circular story, the Christopher Walken, the watch up his ass, right, all of that stuff. It doesn't mean anything to me in the way that the. The These mama, the, the lioness reclaiming her daughter or yes. the Brad Pitt on men on a mission movie. hundred percent. But on Hollywood, obviously the Hollywood yeah. movie. Those just matter to me more. I'm well horrendous. said. Well said. Um, Django, Django, uh, I think it stepped down from inglorious, but still good. I still enjoyed Django. Um, I'm going to say critics for Django, uh, da, 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 84 audiences, 86, 87 and 91. Holy We're shit.
1: We're actually right, getting right in back
2: into the 90s for the first time in a while. I dug um, Django. I dug that he called yeah. it a southern.
0: It was a western set in the south. Right.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, what a lot of people would consider their least favorite. Um, I would probably Tarantino. consider this one my least favorite. I think
0: I'm with you. Uh, I, think I, I, I remember when Hateful Eight came out, really wanting to love it and thinking I was going to.
2: I mean, this was only a few years ago, 2015. We went and saw it uh, in 70 millimeter. They were doing yeah. what's called the roadshow, you know, version of it, and you got like a program, and it was playing at the Cinerama Dome in 70 millimeter, and. And uh, it is beautifully shot and everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would
0: agree, the story is weak and. um... It's polarizing, though, because people really hated this one. And then there was a group that really loved it. And think it's underappreciated. I mean, like, that's I some fine people ride or die I mean, for it. Whatever. Um, I, it's interesting to me, too, because Tarantino is on the record as a giant Western fan, right? His two favorite movies are The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and then Rio Bravo. I mean, it's right. like top two or like these different kinds of Westerns. So for him to finally get around to making his only true Western, mm-hmm. And it just not being one that it's, I love was a, a bummer. big disappointment yep. to me. It's, about, but it's a But you can also bummer. argue he's just been making westerns at the end because Django again is a western. Yes. yes. And then Hateful Eight, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it revolves around of, them making westerns. Yes. Yes. So it's, yes and they're yes. on a ranch, you know, where all the anyway. I, um, I you know
2: what I as because I'm also in the middle of the western category with my movie yeah, watching yeah, group. Yeah. Um, we just watched uh, uh the Searchers, which I loved. I know okay. you said it's not yeah. one of your favorites, but, yeah, but I, I I, I did love it, ever. but it also helps that we watched it the week after El Topo, which we all hated. Oh my gosh, that is a passion. chore to get through. It and was, I told you it was going to be. I it was one of John. It was one of the, one of the only ever. one. Yeah, I know we talked about all that, but it was one of the only ones where I got up and started like doing chores and watching. Well, <laughs> all of the movies. I, I mean, like, they're
0: so surreal like and can't. they're so um, inaccessible. Yeah. I understand what they're supposed to be. I mean, these are like drug movies. You know, yeah. these are movies where you you lose it's, your consciousness and you like go into something high surreal art and shit. But at the same time, know. it's like, all right, I, you could do this in thirty minutes instead of two hours. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But we digress.
2: Uh, anyway, I do think that if Quentin made a proper western that was earnest and um, and uh, again about maybe friends, you know, partners, um, and it wasn't in the snow. I know that, yeah, no, I know no, no, that no. this is a cool setting and visually talk about a it's, lot. visually it's beautiful. Like the a yeah. is really beautiful, but it's, I don't know. I'm not a big snow person, but but when you think of a western, you're definitely not thinking of the snow.
0: This is interesting you bring this up because there are more westerns than you would think that do have that setting. Um Johnson a a lot little, of a little get bit. into it. Yeah, Silverado even gets into it for a little bit. Um and there's the Great White um The White Silence and mm-hmm. there there's a bunch of movies. But um is North to Alaska considered a western? Is that I don't know what North to Alaska uh, is. You know Phil kept talking about it, but I don't know. I've never seen it. You consider it an adventure movie. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, but regardless, I I like that you bring that up because the aesthetic of Westerns is the desert and hot and sand. I like it. And I talked about this with Unforgiven where so much of that is inverted because it's nighttime and it's raining instead of high noon on the street when they're having the showdown. It's sneaking in the back and shooting people in the back rather than facing them John Wayne style. So I do agree with you. I think part of what it was for Hateful Eight for me is – it is a snowing cabin setting, you're and then, isolated, then you're inside the whole time.
2: You're stuck inside. And, and this movie yeah.
0: could have been the thing, or it could have been a play, and for him not to yeah. use the all the Western... Now, I, t- I told you, I just revised my Western script, which is cool. just for me yeah. at this point. Yeah. We'll never go anywhere. And honestly, all the things I love about it, I don't even know if they translate, but part of what that Western is that I wrote... I jammed every Western cliche, (laughs) every element. It was going to be the (laughs) ultimate Western. I was going to leave nothing out. We were going to have the school marm who's over on the side. It had to have every single element. And I feel like Quentin kind of did the opposite and he used very little of the elements that we love about Western.
2: And yet he did exactly what you're talking about with Once Upon a Time in terms of of the era and the genre, but then, but then you, you also it's, it's great. It's, and it's fascinating to think about how isolated hateful eight really is from a filmmaking standpoint and why isolate yourself that much. He's so, he's clearly so good at environments and, you know, once upon a time is a great example. Like how many fucking locations are in
0: that movie? Right, Right. Like a million. It, and it, it makes sense that he followed one with the other. I'll say it that. does, it does, it does. But it is um, perplexing anyways, yeah. to me that he would corner himself at the same yeah, time. Yeah. I understand. I could understand the motivation of it. I think he's even talked about how the thing and that whole paranoia of being locked in sure. with these people. I get all that. Right. But it's also I don't like know that a it missed plays opportunity. That much, yeah. Though, so yeah. anyway. Okay. Well,
2: hateful eight. Uh, what do you think the uh, the the
0: numbers are? I think it was disliked. I think uh, critics gave hateful eight. I'll say like a uh, seventy six. Which is for Tarantino dislike. I right. think audiences probably said like seventy-two. Seventy-four and seventy-six. So okay. you're
2: incredibly yeah. close.
0: I mean, and again, these are people love Tarantino. We rate Tarantino high. Right. So seventies really is like to me like fifties for a lot of a lot of filmmakers. I just um, think people have a soft spot in their heart for him. Oh, hundred percent.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. Um all right. Well then now we have to uh, wrap this up with uh, our our favorite
0: one hundred and ninety nine. No, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think uh, I hope, and I remember thinking people loved this movie. Um, I will say critics gave this movie an eighty eight, and audiences gave it a 90. Eighty-five and seventy. Seventy from audiences. Do we are we the only people that love movies? Is I, that really are I, we I, that that's jaded? Really, what we're wait getting a minute, to. wait a minute, yeah. audiences. 70, 70 70 What is the lowest audience score
2: of all of them? I'm looking at that right now because I think this might be it.
0: Have all of our friends just not been telling us cuz our eyes light up so much that we love this movie yeah, or are they it's not telling the us the lowest don't like this?
2: audience score of all of his directed
0: movies? That is fucking insane and also the fact that he wants to go out with this because of how well received it's been and he's like i you know i might not hit it, hit it over the fence next time he was up for best picture he was up for best screenplay i know that's not everything but like yeah. this was a movie that was right there i mean people I know, really loved this movie what the hell i know who's rating these i things? don't know I don't know, but
2: once upon a... time, So, yeah, I'm looking at them anymore. listed by I don't score. want to do this anymore. I know. We? It is so disappointing.
0: <laughs> it is so disappointing. This is why I get off of these groups. Yep. These groups I told you on Facebook, the Indiana Jones fan group. It yep. ultimately ends up just being a disappointment. A hundred percent. Well, we love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm doubling down on it, just yeah. like everybody we talked about. 99 I want. and 99. I'm going to believe that everybody loved it. So there um,
2: you go. I, uh, I lied earlier when I said I didn't have a hidden gem. But, oh, awesome. Um, why don't you do yours first, and then I'll do
1: mine.
0: Yeah, so mine's – this kind of random. A friend of mine literally just wrote about this on Facebook the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah. And so I just wanted to mention this one. He was talking about how much he loved it. Um, do you remember the movie Stardust? Oh, with, with uh, Connery? No. No, that's mm. Star something else. Yeah, um, uh, this one is... I don't think I know what Claire Danes, Sienna Miller in a small role. It's star got Rupert Grant. It's got a bunch of people. No, I don't know um, what this is. And it's got uh, Peter O'Toole in a very small role in the beginning. Tons and tons of people. Um, Stardust is... It's a fantasy movie, so it makes sense. You right. might not know it. Right. But uh, Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely kicks ass. To cool. me, it's like her last kind of great Michelle Pfeiffer leaning into sure. it, cheering up the scenery. Um, and it's a, it's an. It feels so much. It's got bigger fantasy elements, and it's a broader kind of scope. But it feels so much in tone, like the fun and sort of um, just a little bit magical uh, thing that Princess Bride has. Okay, Um, definitely worth seeing, man. Robert De Niro plays a a gay pirate captain who flies a (laughs) ship in the sky and somehow that's good. It's not dumb. Um, I highly, highly recommend, dude. You really should check it out um, because it's funny. It's not like high fantasy where it's just like you need to be into like the world. It's more like sort of like a wink and a nod. You know, it's just a really, really fun movie, uh, Stardust. It came out, I think it's maybe fifteen years old now. Uh, I think oh seven,
2: maybe. Let's yeah, see. yeah.
0: I think you're right on. Yeah,
2: I think you're right um, on. Uh, so even older, yeah. That's great. Years. Uh, I, uh, really I fun. Check it. it out. Worth checking out. Mine is not at all hidden. It is just simply something that I watched that uh, I kind of forgot to talk about during the other segment. <laughs> okay. Um, awesome. But I, I have to, uh, I have to end on it. Um, okay. Did you watch Bo
0: Burnham's new special? So I know all of it. You know all of it. I've, okay. I'll, I know I'll love it. Oh, oh, uh, you yeah. know. Okay. I've turned it on twice late on weeknights.
2: Yeah.
0: And having couldn't do nothing it. nothing to do with what it is. Yeah, yeah. I have passed out both times because I was so tired. The, but yeah. i have trying to watch it over and over again because I'm so excited it about it. It is
2: deliberately slow to start. And, and I'm not even saying that it changes pace so significantly, but it there was a point during the first song or segment or two where I was like, this is not getting going. This I can't no. quite get into this. But
0: it's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. We've um, talked about this. Yeah. I wish more people had produced things like this during the pandemic. I think we could have really used it. I right. mean, we've talked about how great it was just to have Tiger King, but then how great it was. To have how we've dance, talked about this. Our pod- we did
2: our podcast, this whole uh, right. pandemic. And I just wish more people had done creating this. content uh, during this pandemic has been um, very satisfying, but also very possible people at home. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you don't have a camera and mics and all that, that's, that's all fine. But someone like him or like any actor, performer, comedian, uh any creator mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have access to this stuff, And right. even if they don't, they have the it money to buy It was an opportunity in a weird it, way. It was an opportunity to see it you know I'm I'm trying to think of like the right phrasing so it doesn't sound so mean, but it's kind of like let's see what you're
0: made of. Who are the most cre- I was going to say that. Who who can come up with something in the like it's almost like those film projects where you got 24 hours yes, like that's and you're exactly like okay, let's right. see what you can that's do with exactly this. It's not right. ideal circumstances. which I was never good at though. Well, listen, I mean, honestly, would Spielberg be good at those? There are people who yes, are great at planning yes. and having these big things. They're different skills. Yes. But it, it, you, do, you do feel like more people would have done it. And I can't fault anybody for a lot of these people. They work all the time and you have to because you know once it's gone, it's yeah. gone. You can't get it back. So I understand people saying, well, this is unprecedented. We're going to get to hit the pause button without being punished for it. Yeah. I understand people wanting to take a break. But I would have thought of all the creatives that we have. Yes. Yes certain people would have really leaned into this. We've talked about this off pod. I think maybe some of it had to do with not knowing this will be a full year. Yeah. Then you wait and then you're like, well, okay, I'm not gonna start again. And if people had known it had been a full year, maybe more people would have jumped on it. But I'm still surprised not as many people. He
2: it. it seems like he started this at the beginning thinking like all of us, okay, I'm inside for a while. And as he stayed inside, he continued to shoot more and more stuff. So Uh, it's a combination, not to get technical, but I have to because it's in my bones. Um, It's a combination of just him having a, a Panasonic GH5, which is a very common like little camera that is very high quality. And I'm under the impression he didn't have a lot of them, or even maybe even more than one of them. Maybe he had, I think he had one of them. Um, and I think he probably as an artist went, you know what? I'm going to do this all with one thing. Like, I don't, I don't need to make a whole thing. Out. He probably could have probably had the money to go buy another one, right, but he probably right. was just like, I'm just going to fucking do the one and see how long it takes. And he, what he clearly spent a lot of money on is uh, lights. Um, I'm not very good with lights personally. I'm not a, EP. I have never really shot professionally in that sense, um, where I needed to have a really good handle on lighting. But he uh, spent a lot of money on fun lights that he could control. Oh, I know just from the, the opening up. segment yeah. that I watched, and, and in it's hard. incredibly impressive what he does. And then on top of that, he's doing his art, which is are these wild, funny songs. And he's also a really decent singer in this. He's also, of course, a really decent composer and musician. Um, and uh, it's incredibly engaging. And then it's also incredibly smart. And you're just so engrossed in some of these songs. Uh, they are also very, some of them are very touching and very deep. And some of them are very silly, of course. Well, um, that's what he does. He bounces. Around yeah, of way. course. And, uh, and it's, it's significant, and it's um, as a, and a Pop Culture Happy Hour called it. It's a pandemic time capsule that not many people gave us, right? And he gave us this, and I he just, took advantage of
0: a moment that wasn't necessarily good, but he that's finding a silver lining, right? Yeah, that's like what we're kind of asking yeah. for. So good for him.
2: So what we're gonna do is we're gonna watch one segment from it. Uh, which is the most earwormy, I think, of them. Even though it's not the best song in the movie, um, necessarily, but it is the kind of the most fun and the cutest. And since Patrick hasn't seen it, it'll give him uh, oh, uh, the uh, the thing. So we're gonna play us out with perfect way to go. Um, this song, "White Woman's Instagram." Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy. Bye, guys.
1: Window, a novel, a couple holding hands, an avocado. Instagram. favorite photo of her mom the caption says i can't believe it it's been a decade since you've been gone mama i miss you i miss sitting with you in the front yard still figuring out how to keep living without you it's got a little better but it's still hard Is to die a goat cheese salad a backlit Backlit hammock a simple glass of wine incredibly derivative political street art a dream catcher bought from urban instagram